0: boomers it's that time again it's been two weeks which means it's time for another episode of sonic the comic the podcast your fortnightly online guide to the sega Stational world of the 1990s and the uk's official sega comic sonic the comic
1: we as always are the humans who think we're in charge my name is chris mcfeely my name is dave fulmer and we have a guest on this time who are you oh well
2: heck the pressure um, my name's john john
1: locke And I'm honoured to be here. You may remember, listeners, that we had Freak's own game Sam on a while ago with his Sparky game. And he mentioned at school the production of some comics called Big Punch. Tell us about that, John. Yeah,
2: I guess as a kind of semi-introduction as well, I'm a comic writer, editor and game designer and I have a little company called Big Punch Studios, which has been in the UK comic scene for about seven years now. The reason we called it Big Punch Studios is that when I was young and when I was just starting to discover what comics were, my friends and I, way back in primary school, we made a comic called Big Punch. Don't ask me where the name came from. It was the creation of my lifelong friend, Chris Ray, and basically, we assembled a shameless ripoff of Sonic the Comic, assembled around a team of, uh, some might call them Freedom Fighters. I believe that's legally available. <laughs> and. Um fighting against an oppressive regime and inexplicably we called it Big Punch and that's kind of stuck with me ever since to the point where it actually became like I said the name of my company. You wrote the script for the Sparky game that I was in and we talked about that before is that right? Yes indeed I've known Sam a very long time I think I met Sam right at the start of secondary school he was that one friend who introduced me to every weird and cool thing I'd never experienced. Uh, So rather than hard drugs, it was anime (laughs) and weird Italian horror movies. Oh, he was your uh, cool friend who was into dodgy things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But basically, yeah. So I have Sam to thank for like really opening my eyes. And uh, yeah, we we got to collaborate on Spectacular Sparky, great game. We're currently collaborating on another project which I'm not allowed to talk about. Oh, good. Very exciting. Oh, can't wait. I think I'm allowed to. It's not like a super injunction. I think I'm allowed to mention there's a thing I can't talk about. Yeah. I hope, yeah. <laughs> just a regular NDA. It's not really an exaggeration to say that Sonic the Comic is the reason I'm even making comics today. Sonic the Comic taught me that there were people behind comics. Mm. It's when we all started learning the names, isn't it? Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, it just it blew my mind. And the weird path of been on like since then. It's like Rich Elson has very kindly done an illustration for my comic after, I think, over the years, which was just for most like incredible honour. When I got married in 2018, my best men reached out to Nigel Dobbin. Oh my god! You can't see it from here, but glued to a, a shelf behind me, there's a picture which is of me alongside some of my comic creations over the years, going all the way back to my uh, completely legally distinct uh, Sonic characters. Oh, brilliant! Oh, you got to show us amazing. that later. you got to oh, get oh, a picture yeah, okay, of that. And get, we'll get that up on the Twitter. Oh, 100%, yeah.
1: Let's dig into this. What have we got on the cover? Well, Dave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we were warned last issue, but you pause and reflect, don't you, when you get to an issue that ends in a zero.
1: <laughs> oh, God, yeah.
0: 80. We've done 80 of these I know. now at this point.
1: The amount of life that represents (laughs) that that has simply been lifted out of hours for the production of this show. But it's also
0: year four. After the third birthday issue last time, year four is going to kick off with a supersonic story. How better? No, no. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) A supersonic story. (laughs) The supersonic story.
1: This is the one. This is the one where he gets his name. It happens in this story. I'm going to take a spade to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually going to cut that out because it annoys me so much that I don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah, don't propagate it. No.
0: I mean, I feel like that's something we're going to have to talk about a little bit in this one. (laughs) This is the beginning of, after a few little seeds have kind of been sown in this past run of one-shot stories, this is really the beginning of the next Kitching and Nelson epic yes. that takes us through the foreseeable now. And the cover is it's a Carl Flint cover, as always. Well, not always, Peter, I mean. It's Sonic contorted in pain with the big glowing head of supersonic looming behind him on a big black background with
1: radiating lines. It's exactly what you would expect the cover of the DVD collection
2: of the Incredible Hulk TV series to be like, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Do we want to address the big Incredible Hulk energy just in general that we're <laughs> feeling here? Because, like, again, this to me was supersonic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The idea of supersonic not being this dark alter ego was completely alien to me.
1: Yeah, when we get to it, this is the story that really, really explores mm, Yeah, lands. that puts it on the map, yeah. yeah. And it says, Sonic seethes yellow. Y- y- this is a-, a multi-step. Not pun, a multi-step. Uh, yeah, I don't want to call it a pun because it's only part pun. A three-step sensible chuckle. <laughs> it's like, sees red to sees yellow mm, yeah. to seethes yellow. Okay. Seethes
0: yellow because he does it when he's angry. Because he looks Do cross. you get it?
1: Yeah. New supersonic story, Running Wild. This is where it all begins. Not
2: the Fury, fury. we were told last week, but Running Wild. I have a massive soft spot for the, I guess, Photoshop first edition, general text arrangement kind of vibe. (laughs) (laughs) My friend PJ and I, we do a similar but nowhere near as successful or good as your podcast (laughs) show where we revisit (laughs) Grant Morrison's run on JLA, uh, which came out in 97, and there's a very similar energy Mm to the kind of text art in both books at the time. So I think there was one piece of software which was clearly taking (laughs) the publishing world by storm.
0: I've often wondered what exactly it was they used to do this. Yeah, For there's quite a lot of cover text on this. New story, Chaotix crew, Chaotix getting their own strip. A complete story with teals, pin-up, Mighty the Armadillo, plus Gex and Wipeout reviews, and an Earthworm Jim 2 Q-Zone.
1: And we've got featuring Tails up on the pog. yeah. I think that's there the first he
0: time we've used just a little adventure's tail's head. For well, this is issue number 80, yes, it says up there, cover dated the 21st of June 1996, but actually released on June 12th.
1: This was the first Wednesday issue. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Control
1: Zone! Hey, boomers, says Megadroid. Did you remember to look for your copy of STC three days earlier? No, no
0: Megadroid I didn't But I did remember to look for it four days late (laughs) Don't try and come Don't try that shit with me Megadroid I remember looking at this issue in the shop and yeah. having that reaction as a kid. <laughs> that's seething. That's how indignant I was. I wasn't even buying it anymore. And I was still like, don't you try and come the big man with me like you're being so magnanimous <laughs> presenting this issue to me three days before it was supposed to come out. No, sir. No, four days late, I think you'll find. It's
1: exactly this sort of thing that's made me stop buying this comic, you understand, Megadroid. Ha <laughs> This kind I of won't chicanery. tolerate your attitude
0: any further. Your pride has made you too powerful.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, we are out on a Wednesday. As of this issue and, and going forward, I'm sure it maybe it changed again, but I don't remember it. I don't think so. I think it was Wednesday through to the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, so much for Dr. Robotnik trying to sneakily switch STCs on sale date to a Wednesday. I knew you'd be too smart for him. As I say,
0: midweek is a pretty standard day for publishing within the UK, and I don't know if it was a- around now that that started to come in, mm. or if it had always been that way for other publications other than children's comics, And because you know, children's comics were very Saturday-oriented, a lot of things did come out on Saturdays. Uh, and I don't know if they were making that change across the industry or if it was only just now that things were moved to start coming out midweek. But, you know, that's that's when things still come out now. You know what? Thursday was a pretty standard day for um, things to come out. I remember from my years, you know, working in a comic shop. Yes. Thursday was the day a lot of UK press stuff would come out. But then even 2000 AD moved to Wednesday so that it was all fully in sync with uh, U.S. comics. Yeah. And that's, that's within recent years, you know, yeah. in this, the last decade. That's what I was
2: going to ask, actually, because I guess the U.K. side of things, just like a very different market. I guess it's coming more from, like, the magazine mm. level, like um, Fishing Weekly, that sort of thing. <laughs> or, you know, if you go to W.H. Smith's The Last Bastion of this sort of thing, I didn't even go into a proper comic shop until my teens oh same i was i was 18 yeah there was a couple of times when i was about 14 where friends
1: were in town having a birthday and we're like oh let's go in this shop but it was what we'd call a comic shop now but the comics were a very small bit of it
0: yeah yeah that would have been my first just a weird stuff shop. yes a a stuff Mm. shop a hot topicy style shop Mm. with comics on a rack Mm. in the corner you know that after a few years didn't do comics anymore.
1: Uh,
2: Growing up in Gloucester, I think we had a place called the Collector's Choice, which was a weird combination of skateboarding stuff. Oh yes, comics mm-hmm. and drug paraphernalia. Oh my goodness! Did you go to the same shop as I did? Because yes, one hundred percent. Oh
1: gosh, no, my, mine was all you know, X Files and 14 Times and stuff. It was a shop for weird people.
0: <laughs> well, no, is, we're talking about a shop for cool, cool people. people. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The sort of shop you would not
1: put foot in as a forty-year-old man. <laughs> no. um, control zone, um, right, Boomers? How would you like three new stories? Glad to hear it. The star of the show goes running into a flying fury. At the first, they know that it was called The Fury. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the first part of a fast-moving Sonic story, running wild, you've all heard of the Famous Five, but who or what are the Fundamental Four? That's an interesting comparison, isn't it? Not the Fantastic Four, the Famous Five.
0: Well, I don't think that it could genuinely be claimed in 1996 that British children had heard of the Fantastic Four. I hadn't, known. Yeah, but you are an outsider. In that, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know <laughs> that, that I had heard of the champion. Fantastic Four really in, by that point. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I hadn't started buying Fantastic Four yet. I would. This would be <laughs> yeah. the year I would start buying Fantastic Four when it rebooted from number one in just oh. a few months' time. Uh, so I guess I had seen the cartoon by this point, so I guess I knew who the Fantastic Four cartoon. were. But... Yeah, the, um, yeah. you know. Marvel Action Hour. More Marvel
1: action from the Marvel Action Hour. So, who or what are the Fundamental Four? Could it be the Chaotix crew who are back due to popular the demand talking of which there's a mighty fine mighty the armadillo pin up in this issue as well and miles power fans can hold on to their pacemakers as Tails gets bitten by that cunning cat of the wild west flea bite
0: what's that hold on to your pacemakers as if implying (laughs) Tails fans it's really old chaotics are the new hotness and Tails fans are you still interested in Tails? you old geezer will hold
1: on to your pacemaker yeah it's weird isn't it really calling out sarah rose with that one. (laughs) (laughs) i feel like it's meant to be that it's going to be so exciting you have to be careful of your heart but pacemaker is that is a pacemaker specifically right yeah (laughs) yeah and lastly a battle rages in sonic's world as we've got a slurry of commas (laughs) a slurry of commas (laughs) listen to this as big comma barbaric comma brutus comma causes more (laughs) uproar oh yeah
0: there's at least one comma too many
1: in there a flurry of commas a slurry of commas it's too much uh, boomers boggled by earthworm jim are advised to turn to the q zone all this and a satin review zone checking out wipeout and gex what more could you want tut okay assertive boomers can fill in the data strip at the back of this and every issue wow oh that at that point you might as well just print the signature bigger you haven't got anything more to talk about <laughs> if you're mentioning the data strip
0: well he's saying what more could you want and it's like well, if there's something else you want, you can tell us in the data strip. I oh, think I is see. what he's getting at, but it does yes. kind of sound like <laughs> he is advertising the data strip as a feature. If you're looking for more,
1: yes, the the feature so uninteresting that we keep forgetting it exists, even though it's right there every time we look at. Well, the Well,
0: you know, it gives us content anytime we're ever able to stumble across a filled in one. <laughs> And
1: then we have one of our favorite features on STCTP, the Apology Zone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There haven't been many. Hold those phone calls, stop the barrage of letters, apologies to those boomers who swamped the office confused and bewildered by the on-sale date change (laughs) for the much-awaited Knuckles knockout special. It says here last-minute tuning resulted in the change of date. I'm assuming what happened was it came out on May 25th, as we've been told multiple times that it was going to but that everybody who phoned the office thought it was still supposed to be coming out on the april date that it was originally advertised as yes. coming out on which they
1: never updated any of the no. actual ads for the comic no that's the to, thing uh, we've had at least we've had one issue where the advert said one date and the control zone announced another date yeah and the letters page would back up the may 25th date and this
0: is obviously confirming it as well i mean but you would go off the date on the advert because there have been... On the advert. I'm sure there have been ads printed after issues that mentioned the May 25th yeah. date that still said the April date.
1: And what are you more likely to look at? A load of text on the inside front cover when what you want to read is Sonic. Or the page where you turn the page and there's a big knuckles smashing through the page and it talks about the knuckles knockout special. That's where you're going to get the date from.
0: Rest assured, those responsible for this confusion have been visited by old red... Dre- oh dear, I've just noticed oh, the- re- Yes, you see what they've done here? Wow, it's the... You know what? We pointed out... Folks, you may or may not have heard our Knuckles Knockout special episode by the time you're listening yes. to this. It was a special that had a lot of grammatical and punctuation errors in it.
1: And here we are again. <laughs> oh, so this is just in tribute to that. Just Yeah,
0: just in tribute to that. Old Red Dreads himself. And they've spelled that Red dread as in judge dread d-r-e-d-d not d-r-e-a-d as in dreadlocks as in the red dreaded one red dreads yeah and not red dreads plural no but red dread apostrophe S. red possessive dreads
1: if this was written more recently than it was i'd be like oh yeah that's an autocorrect error because they work at fleetway so they're typing dreads and it corrects
2: to dreads belonging yeah, to Judge Dredd because they that's type what they about use Often, time. yeah. that was literally going to be my question yeah whether even in 96 it was an autocorrect issue did we
1: have auto? i suppose we no we did didn't we have autocorrect in 96 so
2: it could have been nah
1: but we had but we had spell check in 96 which is a bit more deliberate i don't know i don't there's just so it much it didn't just invade your typing and change things for you in those days i don't think i didn't know knuckles could be so fearsome ouch it's all gone quiet around here Dot, Knuckles dot, dot. has
0: beaten the STC staff into unconsciousness. Yes, they that's all the comedy here. Unconscious has or dead, beaten them to death. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> the <laughs> Australian Rugby League is the only new game in all of the charts, and it's oh, for the Mega Drive. You'd think the one new game in the charts would be on the Saturn, but there, uh, there's nothing mm-hmm. new in the Saturn chart, yeah.
2: You know, it's funny, I mean, what are the odds that like I join in the episode that Australian Rugby League does appear in the charts? Because, I mean, we're still talking about that today. <laughs> I mean, we all remember where we were at yeah. the moment. <laughs>
1: it kind of arrived on the scene. <laughs> it's right. The very moment, Australian Rugby League, and here it is, immortalised forever. Sonic! Sonic! Running Wild, Part 1 Written by Nigel Kitching Art by Richard Elson Letters by Ellie DeVille Sonic visits Porker Lewis on the floating island to catch up but just as he's giving off about Amy, he's startled by the robot that watches over the Chaos Emerald Chamber and falls into the pit over which the emeralds float. The emerald power transforms Sonic into the demonic Supersonic once more, and with Amy on his mind, he heads back down to Mobius to destroy her. So everybody knows this one. This yeah. is
0: the Super Sonic Serial where all those pieces of art that you've seen of STC Supersonic shared around on social media come from. Not all of them are from this set of seven pages, but but several
1: of them are. And the difference between these and the panels that we see shared around on social media a lot... Uh, I really approve of these being shared, because I think they're really cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and right. Supersonic really is horrible, and it is correct to show them in that light. It's
0: funny, you know, because... I think it starts a little wrong. Footed, almost. Why's that? Because the first scene of this is Sonic and and Porker in the Emerald Chamber together. Knuckles isn't there. It doesn't say, but I assume that's because he's off. With Mm. Captain Plunder. Because Kitching is pretty good about keeping things in line like that. And Porker is just explaining about the robot and Dr. Zachary and the new Master Emerald and everything
1: that's happened uh, in the Knuckle Strips recently. Doing one of those Kitching catch-ups that we've had a few of recently.
0: And Sonic points a finger at him with his big angry eyes and says, Forget it, Porker. The last thing I want to listen to is one of your boring stories. And I'm like, you know what? If somebody shared that around as an image of Sonic being a dick, I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. That's a bit uncalled for, Sonic. You know what?
1: You're right there, but I didn't think of it when I was reading it because I read this as self-deprecating humour from Nigel Kitching, going like, he's recapping all of his own stories and then he has Sonic go, oh, boring. That's
0: fair. (laughs) That's fair. That may even be the intent,
1: but But
2: now I see it again, yeah, he does look quite cross, doesn't he? Not to be an apologist for Sonic, but I think a couple of things he says on the next page come across as very caring.
0: Oh, yeah. They do. That's it. It's the whiplash of the moment of going from him Shut your peggy face I don't want to hear word one And then it's like no but I'm really mate. how are you Well I was just trying to tell you But you told me to shut up it's a weird moment. It genuinely is, I think, a misjudged
2: little moment from Sonic. Well, maybe in that panel, he's like, um, he's on brand. People are watching, I've got to be the uh, abrasive Sonic that the people expect. I think but... that's
1: what it is. I think Sonic has these two sides to him, and what's being shown here is that, like, the surface of Sonic, what, you, what you'll what you always see first is this version of it that makes fun of people and is ostensibly mean, and then spend another couple of minutes with him and you'll see the kind heart inside and we've seen that a few times i've talked about it before it's it's toxic masculinity sonic is a caricature of that so he always starts browbeating everyone and he goes a bit too far then he has to pull back to be like yeah no 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 Uh, actually i was i do care about you actually and it does always feel a bit abrasive i'm
0: with you i don't feel that this moment necessarily comes across as an intentional version of that though Mm -hmm. it's like i don't want to hear i don't want to hear a story from you no, but how are you? Which one is it? Wh- which do you want? He's literally saying two diametrically opposed things. Yeah.
2: Here. Now you've mentioned it, it's it's maybe not surprising that Porker Lewis has, of course, been in such a vulnerable place for so long. If he's forever being like, it's like popping a balloon behind him at every moment and then saying, Oh, but no, calm down. How are you feeling? Yeah. Uh, yes, because I mean, I like the stuff then where Sonic is like, "I came to see you.
0: Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to join us in the fight it's against great. Robotnik. I just come to see how you are." And Porker's like, oh, "I felt like I let everybody down." And he's like, "You've done your fair share. Don't worry about it, mate." And this—that's good. It's mm, just that it's one really good. slightly wobbly panel where he starts off. And yet, even though everyone always has eyes on this issue for all the Supersonic stuff, nobody ever posts that panel. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? Yeah. Could it be, could it be, ladies and gentlemen, that the people posting the panels don't actually read the comic and just have the panels saved from other times other people who posted them and just regurgitate them with no knowledge of their be? context?
2: Could it be? Could it really be? I, I do not wish to pick upon what is clearly a an old wound here. but <laughs> No, we keep it fresh around here. Oh, yes. We pick it clean every issue. Okay, well, in that spirit... As somebody who is a lifelong fan of this comic and yet has somehow completely skipped any of the online discourse around it over the years, <laughs> are you alluding to the generally held belief that Sonic, UK Sonic, is a mean-spirited, surly individual yes. who, who cares not for the feelings of those around him?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. Okay. But more specifically to young and american fandoms love of taking panels out of context and posting them around to illustrate it when they're all from like the first year of the comic and half of them are lacking context the that- that shows that that's not what they are. That seems a very defensive stance to take in a way. Like um well one has to be defensive whenever the entire internet is against you. <laughs> well, it's because what we've what we've
1: found as we do this show is that yes, that is a very popular thing to say about UK Sonic. He's a he's a bad man. And the panels that are used to show him being a bad man. If you read those issues which we've had to do for this project, you find that they are either the start of a one-story arc for Sonic where you find out what was up with him that day and he makes up for it or takes it back in some way immediately afterwards or it contextualizes it in some way and it does or it's just banter uh, yes that Americans don't, don't understand get. that we talk to each other like that in this country I don't much
0: like
2: the look of your face you don't hear me complaining <laughs> no. Still a funny
0: joke.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's it's funny,
2: isn't it? Because like, reading this at a very impressionable age, like my re- entire relationship with this comic and going through it over the years, personally, and again, maybe I am an apologist here, I never 100% got the impression that he was cruel, all vindictive, yes. You know, no, but of course you didn't. That, that's you had because context. that's because you were reading the comic. <laughs> you don't but, get that impression if you read the
0: comic. But if this was your first issue, like you're in well past the point that almost all these out yeah. of context panels we're talking about come from. They yeah. all come from a very small span of issues around the end of the first year, starting yeah, the second. And they all fully
2: hammered out the character yeah. Yeah, I think of him as you know, again, as a kid, he was Sonic. He was very cool. I mean everybody loved Knuckles as well because he was the Lancer. You know, he gives you something a little different from a main hero. But, um, yeah, I think like, Maybe a little insensitive on occasion, but also I think it did a fairly good job of, lampshading is the wrong word, but drawing attention to the times where Sonic was maybe a little more insensitive. Mm -hmm. It was because he was being brash and maybe a little cocky and somebody a bit more sensible would quietly solve the problem behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, that's not something from earlier on, but I mean, even within this strip and a few pages, we'll see the strip drawing attention to that sort of thing.
1: I suppose something that's worth bearing in mind with this whole discussion is that the era that Sonic comes from, that kind of cool what we were looking for as kids at the time was mm-hmm. a an antidote to the Care Bears type thing. Like yeah. we had watched a lot of cartoons growing up where it was like we're all the best of friends. And so now we actually were looking for something more abrasive than that and Sonic provided mm. that. It would be embarrassing for him not to make fun of tales, and instead to be like, you're my best little cuddly bud. Like, we'd have been like We wouldn't have read it if that was how they were.
0: I feel like that aspect of our defense of all this is not something that's come up much in the years since mm. we started doing this show. But as I said, I believe, way back in the very first episode, this represents, as far as UK kids were concerned, at the time, the platonic ideal of what being a cool dude was. Yeah. To be a, a, a long line of british children's he's dennis the menace the hedgehog Mm -hmm. you know he's, Mm -hmm. he's 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 a bit of an arsehole but actually if you scratch the surface
1: yeah whereas with dennis they never scratched the surface of dennis sonic had that depth in a way that the characters that we were already into didn't so in that way sonic was more heroic than usual and it's just it's just a contextual thing. It's all about culture, really.
2: For a quote-unquote silly comic for kids, just the level of care. Yeah, in, in on every page, it's kind of kind of astonishing. You can see why like kids idolise this sort of stuff. Yeah, maybe you can't articulate it at that age, but the pages are kind of masterful. Really, really. Page one has this lost feeling. These people are sort of exploring this
1: place that we know quite mm. well, but it's it's old, and they're looking around and. And also, there is this little bit of abrasion between them. Page two, as we get the touchy-feely stuff, as as Sonic is like, no, 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 I'm I'm really here. I'm here to see you. And then, he's surprised, he falls into the thing, and we get a page three, which entirely comprises of an entire, a full page, of Porker Lewis terrified of what is about to happen there's electricity coming shooting out of the shaft into which sonic has fallen there's the robot you know the head that knuckles temporarily replaced the master emerald with for a while Hmm. now a guardian of the room and it's there going like what's what's the problem i don't what's happening and porker hiding behind a pillar going shut up shut up if you're lucky sonic won't notice you this is a page of genuine tension it really feels like horror Something is mounting here.
0: But it's great because we as an audience, if you're savvy, mm. you know what's coming to, you know. I mean, Porker Lampshade City says, all the emerald energy is bound to affect Sonic. Yeah. So if you don't, like, well, you've seen the cover of the comic, so you already <laughs> know what's coming. But if you had somehow wound up with a copy where the cover was torn off uh, and you were reading the story in isolation, once you have that little, you know what's coming. Yeah. So you get to be in the moment with Porker and the robot and it's great because if you don't know what's coming, you're the robot going. W- are you yeah. afraid that Sonic's dead? What's going on? I don't understand. Please explain. But if you do know, you're Porker, and you're like, oh shit, oh
3: shit, oh <laughs> yeah, and then you whip the page on him. The-
2: Writing a a seven or an eight page comic yes. is an art form in itself. Like oh it's God, yes! The economy of space, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you can learn so much by like what the art team decide to spend time on, and of course including yeah. Nigel in there writing the script. But like when you've only got seven pages to play around with, to devote an entire page to not have the coolest hedgehog mm. in the planet on it, and just to be like <laughs> ratcheting up the tension. It's like when you're telling a story moments can be cool or they can be necessary and it's interesting that like occasionally you get this wonderful Venn diagram moment where they overlap because all you mm-hmm. needed was for Sonic to fall down the hole mm-hmm. and then to pop out again as a supersonic. Sorry, spoilers everyone. But like <laughs> to spend this time just dealing with the emotion of it and the reactions yeah. it's 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 incredible. Like uh it's it's really effective.
1: And speaking of really effective, that means we get to turn the page and we see supersonic you to You'd be tempted to have him sort of exploding out of the pit, but instead yeah. he climbs out of it with this... Swinging the leg over. <laughs> with a sort of a creeping menace to him. And he looks amazing. Has he ever looked as good as this? This is when Elson
0: changes how he draws him. Mm-hmm. He's constantly crackling with golden fire now. Yes. You, we, you can't see it so much in the long shot in the first panel, but when we push in closer on the character, he even the way his nose is so much more pointed now.
1: His nose and also the spirals in his eyes are now, like, yes. squashed down so that they've got points. Yeah, take points on them. And I'm not sure if he's ever been drawn
0: with uh, fangs before, but he has fangs now as well. So I don't know if, like, canonically, <laughs> that this is supposed to... Be, oh, he fell like literally into all the chaos emeralds, so he is the superest supersonic he's ever been. Yeah. Or if Elson, if the nature of the story was simple, well, I don't know if the nature of the story of him completely going on a, a rampage and trying to kill his friends is because of this massive emerald power exposure to an extent that he's never had before. It
2: just makes me think of like a creative team four years into the series. Yeah, I would imagine experiencing a level of success they could never have anticipated. Yeah. yeah, and getting a lot of the adaptations out of the way, and then being able to just run with their own stuff. And this feels like people just going like, "What can we get away with? Like, what can we push?" And kind of just taking the limiters off. Really, you know, he isn't as you said he isn't just like a palette swap of Sonic anymore. He's his own kind of entity, like the jaggedness, the spikes and stuff. The it's- jagged. Look at look. I love what Elson does with his
1: spikes in panel two where it's like they're mm. rippling and flowing like fire or electricity rather than conforming to a solid design mm. yeah yeah because a lot of the time he'll follow what we now think of as more or less the supersonic design you know with the spikes pointing upwards yeah. instead of down but he'll put a little spike here and there just coming out of them just to show that there's something more jagged happening but something about that second panel and the way that is like eyebrow ridges are really like flaring up with flame Even the spikes at the back look as if they are flame. And that I've always thought of, and it's because of this, I've always thought of Supersonic as flame-like, made of Hmm. fire, I think I used to describe it in End of Mobius. And it's
2: more gold than that, but it's just so cool. I love it. A bunch of us got into this comic around the same time on the playground. Mm -hmm. And we joke about it, but it's like, where were you when X happened? But you could tell that something had changed in the world. (laughs) <laughs> you know, after yeah. this storyline Yeah, because it, it was all we could talk about It was kind of the coolest thing we'd ever seen Yeah, I think so Yeah, and suddenly everyone's little character alter ego On the playing ground suddenly gained a super form because, <laughs> why, why wouldn't you after this? <laughs> yeah, and because So what it is, is that because the last thing
1: that they were talking about before Sonic fell in,
0: was Amy. Yeah, Porker says that he misses everybody, especially Amy. Don't know why he felt the need to single Amy out. It's a bit I'll miss you most of all, Scarecrow. But uh, Sonic is sitting right there, my guy, you know. (laughs) And then Sonic sits down on the edge of the emerald he does a little hump with his fist in his hand. Don't mention her, she's been driving me up the wall lately.
1: And she has, I never thought of she it before. has. That's it, right? Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> never he set that up.
0: before. This reading that's what that whole story was for. Yeah, the whole plasma thing where she was like, Hey,
1: sweetie, how are you doing? Anything for you? And it's like, Amy, would you? <laughs> that was brilliant, and it was brilliant on its own. But now I see that it was because mm-hmm. he knew that he needed Sonic to be especially annoyed at her for this to work. Because, when he turns into Supersonic, he's like, My
3: hatred consumes me.
1: I must find something to destroy.
3: And me? Who was it? Who was I thinking of just before? Amy. Amy
1: Rose! And he becomes a column of light smashing, blasting into the stone wall of this ancient temple. And you don't, because you you don't see him again. He's just this column and he's gone out the wall. And Pork is like, oh my goodness.
0: Knuckles is going to be so mad when he comes back. <laughs> he is so close to getting this place he tidied up. He nearly tidying it up. But keep exploding <laughs> it, you know. He's not fixed. well, that's the joke on the first page. This echidna's a messy housekeeper because the robot fragged the place
2: after he just oh, got yeah. through tidying it up. As a young and very bad artist, <laughs> discovering that you could draw a very fast-moving character mm. as a single beam mm. of light. or chef's kiss. That saved many a page of our a, <laughs> a childhood comic, I can tell you. So then we cut away, and it says, uh, Meanwhile, hundreds of miles away on
1: planet Mobius, and we see a, <laughs> a tr- we see a trooper ship that works... <laughs> it's so silly, isn't <laughs> it? It works along the Citadel Robotnik uh, line, where what you've got is a ship flying through the sky... But just with the shape of a massive trooper head stuck on top of it.
3: Uh, It's so huge, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. compared to the rest of the ship, this head is a weird And it's not
0: even, like, uh, artistically incorporated. It's not like a motif, the way Citadel Robotnik uses the, you know, the eyes or lights and the window teeth and everything. No, this is just a ship with a huge trooper badnik noggin plonked (laughs) on the top
2: of it. It's so fun. Not even remotely aerodynamic, one would imagine. Not in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've got these troopers on board this this air
1: carrier thing, and what they're doing is they're transporting some SBS soldiers. Um, here again, like we, I think we've t- yeah, colored orange. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about this before. Is that what they think an SBS? And yes, it looks like now an SBS trooper they made is, that decision though, stands yeah. out by being gold rather than red. Um, so that's what they're doing. These two red ones are the pilots, and they're flying the thing, or one of them is anyway. Is flying this ship. And they get a blip on their scanner. And we get a gradual two-panel zoom in on this thing. You've got them tracking this thing going like, what is this? Nothing can move that fast. It's got to be an atmospheric effect. It's got to be an atmospheric effect or something. (laughs) And then the caption goes wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Love a little
0: caption interaction. Shaboom! Kind of an odd expression on Supersonic's face in
1: that
2: panel though, right? Slightly puzzled as to what he might have just burst through. (laughs) I have to assume it's because he's frantically scanning the planet's surface with mm-hmm. his yeah. supersonic vision, which was established off-panel, but is quite an integral part of the character. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to Amy and Ted... Look at how much- We are
1: talking a minute ago about the artistry of only having seven pages. Mm-hmm. We're on another scene now. There's so much crammed into this story and it never feels rushed. No, but it also never
0: feels like it slows down and there's a wasted page. No. You know, because by all rights you look at this by Mm. all rights in terms of sheer economy of storytelling, you could drop this entire fifth page and the story wouldn't change in the slightest, you know? The scene of him blowing up the badniks has no bearing on the plot. And I don't, I don't, it, maybe it does in the next couple of chapters. I actually don't remember. It may do. But, um, you know, for the purposes of these seven pages, you could drop it. Your little cotton socks have already <laughs> been thrilled off you simply by Supersonic so electrically appearing on the page, yeah. smashing out of the cavern, and coming streaking down at the end of the story that him blowing up a ship of Bandix isn't actually needed to amp you up anymore.
1: But. I guess what it does for me is it shows you that. This is what happens to something that's merely in his way. He's not bothered about this Mm, ship. That's true, actually, yeah. If you see Sonic approaching you, your entire ship and everyone on it is going to be a cloud of smoke any minute now. And then we cut to Amy and Tails at the caravan. And what's happening is Amy is teaching Tails. This is quite interesting. She's teaching him to shoot her little crossbow bot thing, Tails is like, well, we don't need, because um, he's not very good at it, he can't get the can, he can't aim properly, he's like, well, we, we don't need a sharpshooter as long as we have you around, and Amy, who really, we've shown recently, has a sensible head and her shoulders re the war effort, she goes, look, who knows, maybe I won't always be around, she's training up a replacement if she were to fall in battle, and here's what I love about this page. What happens for the rest of it is Johnny comes in and tries to warn them but they you know, they don't listen in time and da da da. Because Porker Lewis has got in touch with him to yeah, say yeah. that Supersonic's on his way. And I love Amy's response to that, uh, On his way back, is he? I don't know if I was enjoying the break. <laughs> that
0: goes back to what we were saying at the start there about how yeah. the comic does actually call out his behaviour and what other people think of him, you know? They like him, but sometimes, you know, we can, it's nice to have a day off
1: from it. Nigel has been so good recently at doing mm. little character moments and telling us about these characters and their relationships without wasting time at the same time. And this page here is another page that feels like it could be done quicker. You know, do we need a whole page of these people just standing around? But the thing is that it does, is it has this real sense of mounting tension. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Despite and because of the fact that the characters don't feel it. We've completely left the version of this where Sonic the Hedgehog could do stuff from the early issues like run on a treadmill eating burgers or whatever. Now we're in this world where these people have rich lives and relationships, and we know they are in terrible danger right now, and they don't. And for, as every panel advances on this page, we're like, run away, run away, <laughs> Porker Lewis. Porker, and, and if you don't know, we've seen that their friend, Porker Lewis, tied to them by this page, by Johnny coming in saying he's just been on the blower, We saw that he knows what to do is to just hide and hope that the thing doesn't spot you. The thing doesn't spot you. Sonic, who knew exactly who was in this room, he's hoping it won't spot who's in this room so that you already have this sense that, no, this is someone else. He's lost his mind. Sonic's not in there. It's just this thing that's going to come and get you. It's going to destroy you. If fly through you, you explode. We've just seen that. This is what's about to happen to
2: Amy Rose. You just kind of want to shake Johnny. A little bit. It's like, say the His words, beautiful, Johnny. beautiful, yes. beautiful face. And just say... <laughs> just say, for God's sake, Johnny. No, you don't get it it's, yeah, out, it, it, it's about
1: Sonic. Oh, it always annoys me when someone says, it's about... Say what it is. There's no time. <laughs> yeah, they'd know what it's about if you said it. And then, full page, final picture. Amy Rose whipping round, hair whipping... <laughs> Tails jumping up into the air, looking scared. Actually, actually, I'm not keen on this, Tails, but whatever. He's talking- No,
0: it's not a great rendition no. of Tails. I think anybody would admit that. It's... Um- massive forehead tails that often does show up in STC as a Mm. consequence of artists working off of the adventures model, but trying to get a little more expressive with it. He's just got so much forehead that it just gives them a lot of room to put wrinkles and lines on it. As
2: a gentleman who's suffered from a large head his entire life. (laughs) Same, same. It was actually just really nice to finally see some representation. in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, never mind all that. What the focus of this page is, is it's a close-up on Amy Whipping round hair going in the wind the wind created by supersonic <laughs> blasting down towards her out of the sky arms out for zooming down for zooming down screaming baby rose prepare to meet your doom <laughs> next issue amy
0: v's supersonic apostrophe s she's gonna v- him. Oh, come <laughs> on <laughs> man.
1: she's gonna v him and apostrophe aside that is a very effective next issue box because yeah. you're looking at this now and you're like, "Well, I know what Amy versus Supersonic is." It lasts for half of the next second. It's a pink smear. Yeah, that's what <laughs> it's Amy has. Crater in Super the Sonic ground. <laughs> yeah. Um wow. Oh my god. This was explosive. This was so exciting. Explosive than explosive now Yeah. It's very very effective good writing with a level of threat that I feel as if like you had to work your way up to this stage in the comic this fourth year to even do this to have this kind of a threat on someone like amy rose standing there defensive sonic is about to hit a girl (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) and what we are is excited (laughs) not because we want it to happen you understand but because it's like well what then what we know it won't happen surely he's not gonna kill her so what What could possibly happen to change the next split second? I can't remember, so I don't know. No, I don't, actually, because, I mean, obviously the next issue is the
0: one with the very, very famous Mm. series of panels with Supersonic.
1: Yeah, I know what happens in the next issue, but I don't know how we get out of this split second. Yeah, I don't know how we
2: get from here to there. Uh. Yeah, no, I don't remember. Making comics is a lot like burning money. (laughs) Printer ink is the most expensive liquid on the planet. Comics, I think, are the most expensive form of matter because it's like the amount of care and effort and time that goes into even a single panel. Using your space, getting value for money out of it is incredible because otherwise you're not going to tell an effective story or your team's just going to burn out. And it's always a massive bugbear of mine when you get, say, a mainstream professional American 22-page comic where nothing happens. Oh, mm-hmm. Where it's like you're just watching money burn because, oh, hey, it's maybe a latter-day Bendis run on The Avengers. Yeah, where, I was hey, going to say, character- you're drawn out <laughs> Bendis' scripts. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. you could take a, you know, r- planning a story, have a line, a sentence for every page. What happens on this page? What happens on this page? So, again, it is incredible to me that you can have this seven-page story where, effectively, nothing happens. <laughs> because, really, it's a lot of characters talking and a lot of setup, yeah, yeah. And, yet. Yeah, it feels like the most incredible value for money in terms of just yeah. getting seven pages of most incredible emotion action suspense. As a mm. kid, I picked this up. I am not disappointed that I haven't seen Sonic mm. Punch anyone. <laughs> no. It's super sonic. Yeah. It's super so listen, right. Here's the thing, all right. I think it's become,
0: and I think you you you've pretty much feel the same here on this one, David, in all uh-huh. seriousness, that after three years of doing this show, we're pretty possessive of STC. Yeah, we're possessive of it. We're defensive yeah. of it. I should love that everybody's into our Supersonic. (laughs) But they're all liking him wrong. (laughs) (laughs) They don't understand. They don't get it. Uh To them, he's just the crazy Sonic. And he wasn't truly, truly that. The Supersonic that everybody thinks STC Supersonic is is the Supersonic that essentially debuts here in this issue in Running Wild. Mm -hmm. This Flaming, uncontrollable demon who is ready to reduce his friends to puddles. Whereas, you know, what's the worst thing he ever did in a previous issue? Punched Knuckles. What's the backlash here? Oh, no, there isn't.
2: It's just me being possessive. There isn't one. It's just me. Stop liking things I like wrong. No, I I just (laughs) wonder, like, why does this take on Supersonic kind of rub people the wrong
0: way? Well, no, this is definitely the thing that, globally speaking, SDC is most famous for. I don't necessarily know if that's fair with all the things that STC does and all the original ideas and characters it has, and you know it being the one piece of medium that was being released at the time that actually reflected the content of the games, that it should be the more outside thing that it did that it would be best known for. But yeah, there is some degree of people who don't vibe with the idea of Super Sonic being Sonic's Mr. Hyde or his Incredible Hulk But I think it's the aspect of the STC series that has the most global acceptance because it's cool as balls. (laughs) And it always was. We knew it then and we know it now. And that's why I always feel bad in my soul, in my heart, whenever I see people enjoying it and thinking (laughs) it's cool as balls because it was and it is. And then I go but you weren't there. You, <laughs> you don't really know. You don't understand. You don't really know. Stolen Valley.
1: <sighs> I confess, I do sometimes bristle a bit, and I think it's because it's always done as a kind of like, isn't that weird? Isn't it weird that they had this in the comics? And, uh, and it kind of annoys me that, like, yeah, but it's better. So, like, the, th- it, the problem is, what's weird is that there are any versions that aren't like this, mm. because what's that? What does that make Supersonic? the rest of the time? Yellow Sonic. Who cares about that? Do something with it. And this is what was done with it. And it was so good. It's so good. And anyone who finds it sort of weird, I can't help but be slightly annoyed at them for, you know, even if they like it, they're just finding it weird. I'm like annoyed at them. He's like, oh, oh, it's different, is it? It's different to what they did in Archer. Is it, is it, di- be honest, is it because it's different to Dragon Ball Z? Is that why you think <laughs> it's weird? Yeah, you little young American one. Wa- <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, if you really look back at, at all the other Supersonic stories, you remember, all that Supersonic has been presented as being up till now is Sonic without his composure. He loses his head in a fight and lashes out at things around him. First story, he bops the badnik, then tries to go after the animal that comes out of the badnik because he doesn't see the difference. It's only when Tails gets in front of him and says, Sonic, come your tits. And he goes... I ah, right enough actually, sorry. That, that's the first supersonic story, you know. It's of my favorite kitchen
2: quote, actually.
0: Or the second supersonic story with the hilltop zone, where he and Tails calmly stand together and look up and down over the machine that Robotnik's using to create the volcanic eruption. Yes. Which I think we called out as feeling yes. a little odd at the time. We didn't like that, yeah. But looking back at, I realize in the wider context, it's actually quite fair that you because because we hadn't got to this yet. And then the Metallics fight in issue 50, which is the next time after all that time we saw him, he beat up Metallics and he was, lost his head and went after Knuckles and there was no one there to calm him down. And then he fought Brutus and it was literally the coolest thing he'd ever done because he had all his raids just focused on one dude until it ran out because
1: Brutus could take it. <laughs> so maybe the resolution to this is the same as the first time. Maybe it'll be Tails saying, calm down. It's... Definitely not.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I hope her leg muscles are tensed. Yes. If she's not ready to, like, jump backwards, like, two foot, like, now, she's dead. (laughs) This is... It's a direct trajectory, is what I'm saying.
0: I don't know if this story is about this new, more powerful, more deranged, more dangerous supersonic coming into being as a result of this direct exposure to the Emeralds, or if Kitching just decided to take the idea of the uncontrollable Incredible Hulk, Mr. Hyde, to its conclusion. Because the story never, as far as I know, I can't remember, maybe we'll see in future trips, but I don't remember the story ever drawing a direct line between direct emerald exposure to more deranged, more powerful supersonic.
1: Isn't this even the first time the Chaos Emeralds have been connected to supersonic in STC at all? Like, it's it's just been a stress response before, hasn't it? No, you remember
0: the uh, Sonic's World story that revealed the very first time he ever transformed. It was when uh. he took a face full of emerald radiation after he collected all the emeralds after Sonic 1.
1: And then it happened again with and the Master used Emerald. The Master
0: Emerald to power up in uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Sonic and Knuckles. Yeah, yeah, Fair enough. I mean, no, the very first story was, yeah, that it was ring energy yeah. that he tapped into. Um, but uh, they play a little vague sometimes. You know, they talk about nobody really knows how Sonic transforms like this. Well, I feel like you've provided me at least two separate
2: reasons. <laughs> On the final page, I really like how Supersonic's fingers, this is going to sound weird, have become weirdly. Also, uh, just while we're on this last page that cool city in the background
1: what's going
0: on I have literally only just <laughs> noticed there's a city in this panel right
2: now I was hoping actually the two of you could shed some light on that nope. no okay
0: cool. no idea it looks like a spaceport city or oh I would assume it's the metropolis zone would you I don't know well, it's just looks... they've, been, they've been hanging out in the metropolis zone yeah. the whole last half dozen issues or so it's like that's where they've parked the caravan
1: well if it is it's like the upmarket end of the metropolis zone isn't it it looks like a sure. futuristic spaceport city whereas metropolis zone Looks like these grungy, horrible alleyways city. Depends
0: when you... We've seen grungy alleyways and things, but I think of the Metropolis zone from the game, and it's very techno-futuristic. Hmm.
2: Some of the best content happens when you have, like, a creative team in any medium who've come from one line of work and have just ended up doing something completely different. Like, you know, obviously these are all comics professionals, but, like working on a kids comic and you just get the sensibilities of their interests and loves coming across and i think that's why and you see it just in this issue like it's just the weirdness of the storytelling and i mean that in the best yeah. possible way like oh, yeah. i love weird this is unusual
0: i feel like we said comparatively recently you know it's been three years now they've been working on a licensed kids comic of an of the moment very 90s franchise they have to be figuring the end you mm. know the axe is about to fall sometime soon Probably after three years, it's a reasonable time to think, well, this will be the end of it. But um, we've had this little period of readjustment the last couple of months with these one-shot adventures. They're going, well, well, guess we're not cancelled yet then. Time to get, (laughs) you know, hip deep into it. This is the start of essentially this year's version of the Brotherhood of Metallics. You know, the concept was introduced in issue 50 and then pretty much the whole next year of the comic was that in one strip or another. And that's where this is now. This supersonic story kicks off as huge and exciting and thrilling as this is. You wouldn't get from reading this right now, you wouldn't realize that this is the story that is now going to domino everything that leads up to issue 100. And the biggest status quo change the comics had in 90 issues. But it is! And here
2: we are. Year four! Year four, baby! Yeah, the following year blew my young mind. Mm. I'd never seen a comic like this. Getting into it, first thing I'd ever properly collected. Mm. And the concepts it introduced me to... Oh, it's just mind-blowing. Review
0: Zone! Yeah, Yeah, it's an all-Saturn Review Zone, which I suppose... Tragically, yeah. they probably all will be going forward, really, is. won't they? Yeah, walking, well, yeah.
1: We don't want to hear about Australian Rugby League, do we? So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've
0: got Gex reviewed by David Gibbon and Wipeout reviewed by Chris Jones. The two mighty men, the last man standing of the extra <laughs> features portion of STC. I don't imagine we'll be seeing any new names in this capacity ever again. I never played either of these, obviously, because it didn't no. have a bloody Saturn. But Gex was on my radar. He was being poised to kind of be like the next great entry into the mascot wars.
1: Yes, I was sceptical of Gex because it looked so much like an attempt to do that. And I guess i was finally cynical about that by this point, you know? oh
0: cynical teenage dave
1: you know what i mean like i'd been happy with Zool, i'd been happy with super frog and all of that stuff and then here comes oh now we've got a lizard have we and he's cracking wise is he okay. And he's not
0: even wearing a jumper or
1: anything he's just standing there just standing there he's not that good of a design he's all right there he is he's just a lizard who's there And it is one of these games, Bubsy style, where like, because it's on CD particularly, throughout the whole game, he's always cracking wise. He's always just doing constant little one-liners that were written and performed by the same guy, comedian Dana Gould. Um, Dana is a a traditional male comedian name in America. They have a few of them. And um, yeah, he did Gex.
2: And it just, it's exhausting. (laughs) I never played Gex, but I had Gex three D on the PS1. Powerfully weird game because I think even as a kid, I felt like this feels like it's the twenty year anniversary game. <laughs> like it's so self-referential to a franchise uh-huh. which presumably only had like two entries. <laughs> Probably. And, and was it also in the UK, didn't he have a different voice? After the first one he did, yeah. Wasn't he um Leslie Phillips? That was the PS one, right? Not this one though. No, in no, this one is yeah, yeah.
1: Dana Gould in this one. Later on he is Leslie Phillips phillips in, one. in the second one and he's the cat in it's the danny third john one, jules, isn't in danny john jules yeah. yeah but i think those are regional
0: variations aren't they yeah he's always Danny gould in america all oh, right every time that big marketable name eh okay yeah. Well,
1: apparently no, no come
0: on no actually no come on what am i talking about leslie phillips yeah you're selling a lot of video games off leslie phillips <laughs> ding
1: and i have heard of dana gould i couldn't tell you why but i think people with podcasts talk about him so he must be (laughs) comedians must still talk about him for reasons that i can't now remember or he owns a podcast network and i've heard his name for that i don't know i don't know why it is but i've heard of him this is interesting i went reading about gex and the development of gex oh it's a it's a fascinating one because it's one of the last sort of times when this is one of those examples where like a british software house were making the sort of game they did Mm. while, meanwhile... Things are getting really serious in the, like, games console world. You've got Sonys and people like that coming in. Things are becoming really big business now in a way that this type of game struggles to hold up. Well, it seems that's the big takeaway of this review,
0: isn't it? It's yeah. a side-scrolling game that I quote from it here. Graphically and sound-wise is up there with the top Mega Drive games, and my reaction to reading that <laughs> was, well, I should bloody hope so. <laughs> the and then Saturn, the, the, the yeah. review immediately follows it by saying, considering this is a Saturn game, it doesn't really do the machine justice.
1: And I disagree, because yes, it's yeah. up there with the quote-unquote top Mega Drive games, but those games are the ones... Remember, this is at the time when we've got the Donkey Kong Country blinkers on, yeah, so everybody yeah. automatically thinks that anything 3D-looking is therefore better. It doesn't look anything like as good as Sonic 3 and Knuckles, not by a country mile!
0: Um, <laughs> oh, right, right. Oh, sorry. I misunderstood. You, so you disagree with the assertion yes. that it is up there with the top Mega Drive yes, games? I okay. do.
1: So this was developed for the 3DO, and oh, when right. they were making it, they discovered, is it like like it came as a surprise, that that requires a hell of a lot more work to make the graphics than does a Mega Drive game, or a 16-bit game, because, you know, it's all gotta be in 3D, and it's all gotta look current and futuristic, and it's a much higher resolution, presumably. Oh, so this is a port, is it? Yes, oh, uh, oh, to right.
0: the Saturn. Well then, uh, well, then no wonder it's not really.
1: Okay, fair enough then yeah but the 3do is is like a Saturn, like because don't forget the saturn right that's not a 3d machine they built the saturn to make 2d games they didn't expect playstation to happen and suddenly they're having to compete with 3d machines using what is a 2d machine and a very good one that's why people talk about you know sonic mania looks like the sega saturn sonic and it's not 3d that's what sega saturn excelled at 2d arcade quality games it's just that nobody was expecting it to have to do 3d games out of the gate um so there they are making this gex right and panasonic who are in charge of the project they disagreed that this increased graphic power and everything meant that they needed any more staff or any more time oh and they certainly needed one or other or preferably both of those so as a result of that and all these other boneheaded management decisions The game ran at least eight or nine months late Mm -hmm. over schedule, and things got really tense between the team and the management, and it got to the point where basically they stopped asking, can we put this in, can we put this in? A few of the coders got together in secret and just started coding stuff into the game, hidden stuff, without telling anyone. And this stuff was uncovered during playtesting, but it stayed in, whether it was, you know, I don't know if it was because it was so good or whether it was just because there wasn't time to get rid of it. Probably that second one. And there's this really interesting anecdote from Greg Travers, who presumably is someone who worked on the game, and he wrote on his website in 1997 the following excerpt, quote, Justin Knorr, the lead designer of the game, who'd been only working 10 to 6 rather than coming in early in the morning, came in one day and he found out that one of his levels had just been edited out of the game without his permission. And since he didn't usually show up on weekends, and since we were trying to ship the game, someone was ordered to edit the level to fix a few problems and make it a little easier. Apparently there was bugs, it wasn't quite finished, and they had to get the game out the door, and he wasn't there, so they're like, all right, just cut it out then. So Justin, very frustrated, because many things that he wanted in the game were getting cancelled, so as to let the game ship sooner. And this editing of his level was the final straw. So we went into his office and, quote... Did a big no-no. Now, there's very many things
0: that one can do in a boss's office to express your displeasure that could be described as a big
1: no-no. Yes, and it's not clear that what we're about to learn is the big no-no he was talking about, but it says, a few days later, his edits were discovered by playtesters. We had programmed the ability to put any message in the game just by placing a question mark object and then typing the text that you want to appear. Also, we had a level select screen that selected from over 80 levels, even though there's only 28 real levels in the game. So I'm guessing you have like a a grid of buttons and you just pick the ones that have anything in them. Well, there was a cheat code that would get you to that level select screen. Justin put in one of his levels in the Kung Fu world a secret message that he hoped the company wouldn't find. And it told of the secret level select cheat code and it asked the player to choose a certain level. That level was the original version of the same Kung Fu level, but with several parts that he was told to remove because they were buggy, left in it was decided to remove them and ship the game rather than try and fix them and delay the game even further because the game was eight to nine months late at this point. They're still in there. And at the end of this level were three more messages. And they said in so many words something like, didn't you think this level had some cool shit in it? <laughs> this level was cut because the company didn't put you, the customer, first, but just Ooh. wanted to make money. Please call Madeline Knepper at 415 <laughs> and give her a piece of your mind and my mind too.
2: And it did have her real phone number. Ooh. Oh, God. This was ramping up to be like, ooh, wacky hijinks, wacky hijinks, wacky hijinks. And then suddenly just like a hard turn oh, Get no. Get serious. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and it
0: shipped with that.
2: No, Playtest found the message. And when it
1: came out, Justin was immediately fired. Because, when it came out, it's ambiguous whether that means the game came out with this in or whether it I'm came saying to in light. the, in
0: the news came out,
1: yeah. When it came out, Justin was immediately fired because the company pointed out that Mitsushita, Panasonic, would not take kindly to finding such a message in a game they mm. were going to bundle with the 3DO in Japan and America and that Mm-mm. Justin's actions had not only personally upset people but possibly threatened the company's relationship with Panasonic. So there you go. The development of Gex, eh? It really sounds like the death throes of like, yo, we're, we're five guys and we can make you a yeah. good game if you just let us. Versus, we are a giant company. Games are big business now. Do as we say. Yeah, that really does sound like
2: that. It was that. really the Wild West, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hell, and I yeah. think this is more or less the point at which it stops being. Stories like this. I started becoming colonized yeah decent enough game fun to play
0: younger fans will thoroughly enjoy it just don't expect too much <laughs> what a a bland capsule of a game that as Dave <laughs> illustrates actually represents some massive turning point in a sense
1: yeah and i've got nothing at all to say about wipeout because i've never played it
0: I feel like Wipeout is the game that puts the lie into your big rant there about the Saturn being a 2D machine because it's a very smooth 3D... Well, it's an F-Zero, isn't it? An F-Zero, but with guns... Well,
1: that's the thing, yeah. They had to. They had to figure out how to make it do it. And yeah, for the first few months, they managed it. Wipeout, that's a PlayStation game, though, right? That's what I think of. Yes, released in 95
0: for PlayStation and DOS, and in 96 for the Saturn, Mm. being a launch title for the
1: PlayStation in Europe. Mm. And I seem to remember that it was, like, a clubbing game. There was a certain, like, Eurodance bent to the music, Mm. and it just was aimed at that crowd, and that was... A key part of how the PlayStation did well in in this country was aiming it at that age group who were getting into that sort of thing and thought they were all cool and that
2: well on that note I think this actually came up a few weeks ago and Nick Angel to this day holds the net record for the 100 metre dash my partner in crime at Big Punch Uh and I we were chatting about Wipeout oddly enough and Nick was a big fan of Wipeout back in the day and I think he mentioned the music in particular and we found ourselves on the Wikipedia page once again isn't this like another like weirdly British connection Uh because like the music is kind of like like Euro, the music of the time. There was a lot of British bands on it. I well, think. it wouldn't be weird. It's made by Psygnosis, who are from Liverpool.
0: Yeah. I have it here. The game's electronica soundtrack was mostly composed by Welsh composer Tim Wright under the alias Cold Storage. Oh my god, that's the Lemmings guy. But the European version does also contain additional tracks from the Chemical Brothers, Left Field, and Orbital. And
1: Orbital, yes, there you go. So yeah tim wright is the bloke who did all the music for lemmings and like the music for lemmings is classic and brilliant but very scrappy and like early days here's someone tinkering i guess by this time it must be really good, because the music from this is well thought of, I believe.
0: Well, it's got it's well thought of enough to have its whole own section on Wikipedia.
2: <laughs> oh, super weird era, when you think, like, the whole reason we're here is we're talking about this oddly British take on mm. Sonic, and then we're talking mm. about video games where you could just casually say it was British development, like this weird kind of thumbprint mm. and sensibilities on it.
0: Well, they certainly loved it at STC Towers anyway, because it gets a 99. Wow. I mean, these numbers mean nothing, but, you know, even even here, a 99 stands out, you know. When
1: you hit a 99, that means that this reviewer is saying, no, no, this is my game and I love it.
0: <laughs> Raves, Saturn's 32-bit power is used to the maximum. Graves, too fast to master immediately, but it is worth it. Hmm. Wouldn't want to master a game immediately.
2: No. Is it theoretically <laughs> possible that this is the best reviewed game the Sonic the Comic ever featured? Possible. Quite yeah. possibly, yes. Yeah. I uh,
0: I feel like there must have been at least one other 99, mm. but I can't swear it. Probably
1: Sonic 3. I don't
2: know. Were they contractually obligated to say Sonic 3? <laughs> That's Maybe. the thing, you can't believe it when it's a
1: Sonic, <laughs> even though they were right in that case, if so. Yeah,
0: obviously. <laughs> Actually, no, let's be honest. Sonic 3 is not a ninety-nine. <laughs> Shop. Yeah it is. What <laughs> about? What are you on about? Sonic 3 is half a game, David, you know it is.
1: Oh, I'm including Sonic and Knuckles in Sonic 3. So
0: there you that. go. Well that's from Tom where they didn't review Sonic 3 and Knuckles back in 1993,
1: did they? Fair enough. Okay, you're right, yeah.
2: Look, guys, we could fight about this for hours, but I think we can all agree that the gaming industry peaked when they released a game you could click open and put another game inside. Like it's never it's never been surpassed, if I'm honest.
0: Crew. THE FUNDAMENTAL FOUR, written by Nigel Kitching AND Nigel Dobbin, with art by Nigel Dobbin, and colours by Steve White, and letters by Fell. When Charmy's singing becomes too much for Vector to take, he boots the bee out of their headquarters, meaning that Charmy isn't around to help when the crew are attacked by their old enemies, the elementally-powered Fundamental Four. Discovering that his teammates have been captured by the villains, Charmy heads back to his
1: hive to get help. Mm. So this is the first time we've had an actual Chaotix crew strip of yeah. their very own. I don't know if they get many. No, I
0: don't know if it ever happens again. So Nigel Dobbins' art doesn't look as good when someone else colours it, does it? This... You wouldn't necessarily even immediately recognize that it was Nigel Dobbin art. I would have no idea, yes. I think the line art is just generally fine. I particularly love how he actually renders the landscape, skyscape of the special zone. Yeah. It feels like it simultaneously has a greater sense of order and chaos coexisting than any previous depiction of the special zone. Uh Where, you know, Richard Elson will always just draw it with, cubes and things swirling and whirling and doing whatever. But the way Dobbin draws it it's like the chaos has a form. Oh, Look at this one on page four here. The last panel where Charmy's looking out over the uh, landscape whatever you want to call it. Mm. And the way the the, whew, the swoop of that strange curving ribbon and the way that then dovetails with the spiral of the spheres that are coiling down in perfect order towards the planet yeah. below. I, I i can't i don't have proper words for it but because you're not supposed to really are you the special zone is supposed to be indescribable weirdness but I like the way he realises the weirdness it's less just a dimension of blobs and I do get the feeling that this is a place with
1: its own rules and and, and structure yeah in the first panel in the entire strip there are these huge ribbons everywhere that that makes you feel as if like that is the the matter of the special zone they're going to move among one another in ways that are weird to the eye
2: but that's just what physics is here if I was being very arty about it i say oh it, it evokes a Lin Clare I'm probably pronouncing that wrong but no it's very not. like a uh, very clean line very French you know you could draw the Chaotix's base a hundred different ways but like there's it balances complexity and some, I'm, I'm getting very arty-farty here but I enjoyed Nigel Dobbin's artwork as a kid. Mm. Coming back to it now, I don't think I appreciated how effortless he made it look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it shows a lot of restraint mm. to not just fill it with stuff. It's it's just the right level of complexity, I think. Have a dig into, because this is kind of not a good
1: representation of Dobbin art, but have a dig into some of his recent Knuckles strips. They're amazing.
0: Mm. But that's not to say that Steve White is a bad colorist no. or anything. It's just no. somehow... The combination of a good colourist and a good line artist are just coming together to be a little bit less than the sum of their parts somehow.
1: Yes, for some reason, these two styles don't mesh as well as some others have done and will do. Uh, But also, also, he doesn't really have the hang of Espio. And that's something that you see right there on the second page, looking very weird and different from two different angles. Mm Mm-hmm
0: espio is a difficult one to do you've said yourself How He is in no way really a chameleon
1: but that's what i liked like the chaotix being weird was a feature not a bug to me because they look like they're the new weird thing they you know what can i even compare it to they're the new like you know when you get new power ranger designs when pogs go tropical it's the strange new look they're the new knuckles knuckles let
0: us not forget in the year of our lord 2022 that knuckles was a frigging echidna what is an echidna anyway what even is that we are inured to that very concept now so now that this is rolling out an armadillo and a chameleon they're the Mm. new knuckles that's what they
2: are as a kid of course you would just pick up all these various rules from reading this comic and then you're like well of course an armadillo has i don't even call it that kind of Rucksack headpiece <laughs> uh, And of course chameleons look like Weird little dinosaurs <laughs> Well now they do to be fair
1: <laughs> Next time you see a chameleon No 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 they do they're really dinosaur
0: <laughs> This is an issue that I can remember Reading in the shop and I just didn't Get the fundamental Four whenever <laughs> I saw that was the Title And then four baddies arrive, and I didn't understand, because they are the four elements. And I did not understand that that's what makes them fundamental.
1: Yeah. I didn't get it, you know? It's a good little joke, isn't it? Because it's like, it sounds like radical or something. It sounds like a word that means the cool dude for, (laughs) But also, it is because they are elements. It's a very good name.
0: Hydran, Gravel, Squall, and Flare are there? names. Very good, yeah. And according to Nigel Kitching, he has said this, They're not supposed to be the Fantastic Four.
1: Oh, controversial statement, given what I'm looking at here. A stretchy one. Yes, I know. A one that's the thing out of the Fantastic Four. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've got a a big
0: guy made of rock and dirt. That's gravel. Flare is a female animal of some kind. You can't tell species, but she's on fire. Mm -hmm. Squall is a cloud-based being, so some sort of the air elemental. Looks a bit like a bat could be with the big ears yeah yeah Hmm. and uh, hydran is animate water who is in a long black ribbony suit with a fishbowl head this
1: is amazing i love the design yeah it's literally just a glass ball with water in it with like yes a face but it's just three patches of something it's almost as if like part of the water is just pressing on the front or it's bubbles or something and then he's got this big, long, bendy suit that it's poured into.
2: Flipping. it's good, great. We need to talk about Hydran, and I'm glad we're, te- we're glad we're pausing here because yeah. that is a design which would stand apart in any comic book. Not yeah, just it, it is mm. genuinely brilliant. It's got nothing to do with Sonic design stuff at all. It d- no. it's
1: not an animal.
2: It is some water in a ball. It is far cooler and more interesting than it had any right to be. Yeah. You could have just filled this story with completely generic bad guys. And yep, yeah, I... I I came for Supersonic, I'm staying for Hydran, basically. (laughs) It's unreal. They do mark the beginning of something that kind of shapes the next
0: year of the comic, where we get this idea that the special zone, whose only previous occupants we've seen are the Chaotix and the Omniviewer, and we've only just recently started to get hints that there's any kind of civilization here in the zone, which will be spelled out in more detail in issues to come. Uh, is that it's full of super people, full of Mm. superheroes and supervillains, which is its defining characteristic over the next year. And whether Kitching intended these to be any kind of takeoff of the Fantastic Four or not, he says no. He says it's not the point of the characters. He says the elements were the point.
1: Well, yeah, but same thing. That's what the Fantastic Four is. I mean,
0: yes, but you know, but the elements are also a thing unto themselves. You know that you, yes. it's possible to create a team of element based villains. And, yes, yes, and just have them wind up resembling the Fantastic Four anyway because they, yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, there are many Marvel hero and parodies and villain parodies that will come up over the next year. And I don't know if that's because Lou Stringer looked at this, saw the Fantastic Four, and decided to roll with that, or uh, mm. or what? We'll get, I guess we'll get the uh, a clearer picture as
1: we go on and read them. It's the four. That's the problem. It's the word four being involved in this that makes you go, oh, well then it must be... And the alliterative name. Yeah, it must therefore be the Fantastic Four. Even though they're not like them. There is a fire one and an earth one, but they're not like them. The characters aren't similar. Well,
2: and a long, stretchy one. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. you could have a dude who's made of water, but having one no. who yeah, exactly. frankly looks like Mr. Fantastic... Well, I mean... yes,
1: but do, yes, but the way that he looks like Mr. Fantastic is that he's long. Do we know that he's stretchy? He might just that's always be That's the thing. Long. He doesn't
0: seem to actually be... Yeah, he doesn't seem to have... St- the visual is still... The visual, you know, you, yeah. can't, you can't get past it. But yeah, there doesn't seem to be any evidence, just based on what we see them do,
2: that he stretches. No, he's just it's a just long... a, a ribbony suit. ...hose. Yeah. Given that we're now learning that this is the kind of threat that the Chaotics deal with on a regular basis, as a kid, did you ever wonder how on earth they stood their ground? Because, I mean, they've got Mighty yeah. and they've got Espio. I always felt like Vector was punching above his weight, really. By... He's the brains.
0: You know, he's the one who keeps them all in line. Um, I mean, this issue would certainly make you ask that because um, they lose <laughs> and I can't see how Charmy B would have turned the tide of this fight because it's frigging Charmy. <laughs>
2: I just came to love everything Special Zone related. And yeah, I And I don't think the comic ever felt weirder than when we were hanging out yeah. in this region. That was yeah. so good about it. There
1: was this side dimension where everything is wild and that is inherently therefore more interesting than the normal dimension where everything is normal. And so, yeah, I was really interested in that just as a concept that it's always there just lurking off to the side and it's got all this stuff in it. We're going to, over the next few issues, find out that it's far more involved a place than you might think. Uh, one last thing before we go is that I've noticed uh, wrong voice coming out of the wrong turtle there on page two. I'm sure you spotted it yourself. First yes, paneled. yes, yes. Oh dear, little bit of a little bit of a lettering error there. A speech balloon clearly pointing to Vector says, "Nice one, Vector. The little runt had it coming." Maybe he's congratulating himself. And then Espio replies. That's the
2: understatement of the year, mighty. So no, it's (laughs) it's just wrong. That little snafu aside, I did actually genuinely want to praise the lettering because I do like. Yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. This
1: is one of those where different characters have different speech balloon styles, and it's really cool. We always like it when they do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Every one of the fundamental four has different speech bubble effects. The fire one, a flare. She's got like a sort of a ripple around the edge of her bubble. The air one has little specks, as as if dirt and grit blown. On the wind mm. around the head, and then gravel has a, a rough hand drawn sketchy sort of raggedy outline to his bubble which there was something they were doing for the things speech mm. bubbles in comics around this time too right. he doesn't even speak up decipherable language he just speaks in these Thrap, gutter, mix, gutter, text, yeah. He just makes these guttural noises And then Hydran has just this border around his speech bubbles You know, because in the way that he's water inside a suit His speech bubbles are bubbles within bubbles yeah.
2: If I hadn't been on this episode and I felt I could get away with it I would steal Hydran Like, honestly, <laughs> like, I, if I could stick that character in any other book It just, ah. Oh incredible yeah. this is my wipeout this is my 99 out of 100
0: <laughs> it says later in the issue that this is just a two-part story so I oh, guess really? wrap up pretty quickly oh, yeah God, uh, it rush which seems like an odd idea to go and introduce this whole idea of the hive in the second part but and I guess the we'll, fundamental
1: four that's loads of new concepts yeah. that
0: deserve exploration yeah. we will see how it unfolds I guess I mean I feel like the story has set up its own resolution where we have this moment where Flair almost hits Hydran with a blast of flame and he says watch out, lucky you didn't burn a hole in my suit otherwise it'd be a puddle on the floor and I feel like that's the thing about the elements is that although they are like this cohesive group of four, you know, fictionally, culturally, in in stories the thing about the elements is they do have their diametric oppositions and I feel like that might be where the resolution of this goes is that they somehow turn their powers against one another uh, Yes. Yeah,
2: so we'll see how that plays out But then yeah. why one needs an army of bees to do that I don't know, so we'll see how that plays <laughs> out You talk about these moments that live in your head Forever, and I won't go into it here But I would say the resolution to this story <laughs> Oh, you remember it? All my life I remember it, yeah <laughs> oh, okay. I still think about it regularly
0: <laughs> Alright, well I look forward to finding out what it is Next issue, Charmy's Barmy Army <laughs>
1: <laughs> pin up. Nothing much to say about this, but it is a significant pinup, isn't it? Because.
0: Yes, it's the belated entry into the series.
1: Yes, yeah, a while ago they were printing pinups of all of the different Chaotix characters. They just seem to have forgotten to do Mighty because. Yeah. Probably because they hit some of those ones where it was a particular holiday, so they wanted to do a badnik that was themed to that holiday, maybe. Is that why? Maybe. I like to think it's because
0: they had the piece of... Remember they used this piece of Mighty art as the question in a contest? Who's this mm. Chaotix member? And I think that's what it is. I think they, they had it set aside in a folder for that issue and then just forgot about yeah. it. I don't know, but the thing that gets me about it is this pin-up has... Uh, a big—it's—it's it's that render of Mighty. It's his chaotic render, but it's a big blue background with a gradient, like a pale blue at the center moving out to a navy blue around the sides, almost purple. While all the other. Chaotix pin-ups had that off-white background.
4: Oh! So they, they
0: couldn't even keep their own uh, school of design going with these four pin-ups. Now Mighty's gonna be your one big weird pin-up out in your Chaotix pin-up collection.
1: I guess it's because the leading edge of his face is itself white, because the eye is the outline. So it'd be white on white, and it'd be really weird. Better than a badnik.
3: Just, Just a bad boy! Just a, bad a bad
1: bird. Bird. How do you get X-ray vision? Those words take up most of a page. They're written in blue. They're on top of a big question mark. And importantly, all of the O's are clearly Smarties. So what? How? How? How do you think you get X-ray? Well, it doesn't answer the question because how can a smarties? No it doesn't.
0: Help? Uh, only smarties have the answer, which was the smarties slogan at the time. It says at the very bottom, "Hold this up to the mirror to find." What a strange sentence. "Hold this up to the mirror to find out."
1: <laughs> and it just says only smart I mean we knew this because it's very obvious. Only smarties have the answer. Oh, instant win magic tricks.
0: Yes, plus a trick printed in every tube. See the special... I'm trying to read this backwards. See the special mm. instant win packs for details. Now, yes. I've dug
1: up a picture of the special hey. instant win packs. <laughs> hey! Now I'm here. So we can have X-ray vision now. You've found the instructions. Dave, this does not provide any
0: answer to that question whatsoever. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I am now looking at an unraveled tube of smarties it's, yes. it's much shinier than i thought based on the advert based on the picture yes i thought it was just normal level of shiny but it's special shiny foil this is back when
0: smarties were round tubes which they aren't anymore oh, yeah. but you, you would have really had to do some disassembly and unraveling of this to get it unfolded you know oh, yeah. it wasn't just a tube of paper to but the unraveled example i've found here is one where the player had not won sadly sad no. sorry you haven't won this time but if you can't wait to puzzle your pals you can collect and send in Um, There are four tricks that you can win instantly, it says here. There's a magic pencil, and... Amazing box (laughs) A stretching card And a disappearing coin I'm just kind of amazed
2: I shouldn't be surprised I'm kind of amazed That this resource is even available online That you can even (laughs) find this wrapper It
0: says you can send in to order Any one of these three For three magic tokens And we see the magic token Is printed on the inside of the card It's It's just a a magic magic wand wand. says one one magic magic token on it God knows what any of them do Because obviously I hear magic pencil And I just think of the the wobbly wobbly, hold the pencil <laughs> up and wiggle it, and it looks like it's made of rubber, and it's not amazing. Box could be anything, Oh, maybe
1: it's one of the ones where it's like one of those wands where it can droop and it can straighten oh. up again. Oh, it be, maybe, yeah, it maybe. Could be that.
0: I suspect I know the disappearing coin one, which is one that I had, where it was a little cylindrical box, and uh, an amazing a- box. Would you describe it? as? Eh, no, it was full of holes. Wasn't the particularly amazing box? You you had a plastic coin. I don't remember if it worked with an ordinary coin, but it came with a supplied coin and you placed the coin in it. The way it was designed was you, you could put these plastic nails that came with it through the holes and they would come out the bottom as if they had pierced the coin. Yeah. And I think if I remember it what was happening was um wherever you put the first one is it it, it, the box was hinged or oriented in such a way that the coin would flip up on its end when Mm. the first nail went through it would tilt the coin up so all the other ones could get in past it but that's probably the disappearing
1: coin one right maybe well what we do have is there is a trick printed Mm. a trick printed inside every tube in text on the inside and the one printed on this one says free money a rascally riddle to diddle your dad so if you want to diddle your dad (coughs) here's how to do it Borrow three coins, two bigger ones and a smaller one. Put them in a line on a tablecloth with the smaller one in the middle. Put a glass with its edges on the bigger coins. Right? So you're resting it on the coins and there's a smaller one in the middle. And that's to say that the smaller coin is now under the glass. Under the glass. To win the coins, you must free the small one without touching the coins or the glass. Well, to do it, just scratch again and again on the cloth just in front of
2: the glass. The coin will come out. I don't want to question the work of the magic circle, no, no. <laughs> but I think this is based on a lot of shaky foundations. as to yeah. the material your tablecloth is made out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't explain why it works,
1: so you can't guarantee what you're doing is the right kind of scratching. Right, yeah, just to say scratch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More details, please. But okay. but But it just says the coin will come out.
2: So maybe we're being too pedantic, and it just will. Whatever happens. I do like how, if you wanted to enter this competition, the address is Mischievous Magic, mm. which adds a sense of whimsy, yes. and kind of wonder to it. And then the second line is, uh, I believe, Department Five GE, which I think <laughs> kind of brings you right back down to reality. <laughs> it
0: really does. More so than just Roundtree's headquarters or anything. There's something about the way that it goes straight to the numbers and letters, Sector 7G,
1: like Newcastle upon Tyne. <laughs> and then the next one, Newcastle upon Tyne X. What's Ooh, that X mysterious. there for? What's happening there? I didn't know Newcastle upon Tyne. That's the special zone adjacent to Newcastle upon Tyne, that is.
2: Millennium Fever. Everything had to be modernised. Really. Oh,
1: yeah. Generation X, so Newcastle upon Tyne
2: X. They were just trying that out for a while. This is the era of proper cylindrical Smarties tubes. Yeah, right? yeah. Before they went hexagonal.
1: Oh, can you all please stop telling me that that dreadful thing has happened? I'm trying to edit it out of my brain. The fact that you can't get... There's no such thing as a smart a tube of Smarties anymore. It's a fundamental shape from the world. They have to exist. Yeah, but it's easier to stack these. Was that the rationale?
0: I don't know, but it feels like. It sounds good, right?
1: (laughs) I bet it is. I bet it's so that you can lie them lengthways
2: and they don't roll off onto the floor in the shop. I had always assumed it was something like maybe a child had found a way to devise some kind of terrible weapon out of a tube. Oh, you don't have to.
1: All children can do this. You just have to punch the tube in the right way and the cap on the end will foam out. And that's
2: why they're good and they should still exist. Whereas, by contrast, nobody's ever been hurt by, by a hexagon. hexagon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I feel like the construction even of the cardboard tubes must have been more complex because apart from the, you had the end where the plastic stopper went in, you had mm. the lid, but then the other end was the cardboard base and it was going to have that little roll. Well, look at it here in this picture of the unrolled tube and see how unrolled and it has to, whereas a hex, it's just folded up. It's just mm. folded up. It's all tabs and slots. Yeah. must be easier and cheaper to manufacture, surely.
2: Oh, well. This is an incredibly high-quality scan <laughs> of the inside of a Smarties tube. I think it's actually higher quality than the scan of the episode I'm reading right now. Oh, by far. Somebody found that in their attic or something. That's remarkable. And there
1: we go. That The, the changing of the shape of Smarties tubes is really... The, it's got to be the worst thing Nestle have ever done. I won't look into anything else they might have done, but like, that's <laughs> got to be.
0: Oh, no! <laughs> I thought you were just going to say how it marked the end of an era. It was the gex of chocolates. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was the gex of times. <laughs> it was the gurks of times. <laughs> Tales. Fleabite Returns. Written by Lou Stringer. Art by Rob Corona. Bob Corona. Colors by Gina Hart. Letters by Tom Frame. Miscredited to Elita Fell while battle that happens so often what is going on how can that be how can that happen i don't know you wonder who got the check that's what i'm interested Uh. in while battling brutus's troopers in the casino night zone Tails is ambushed by his old foe fleabite the bounty hunter which allows the troopers to capture them both Tails and Fleabite team up to escape and dispose of the badniks, whereupon Fleabite turns on Tails. But the fox is too quick for him and takes him down as well. At the request of the people, Tails agrees to stay in the zone in case Brutus's forces return.
0: Another little one-shot, and it does follow on directly from last issue's Tails strip, where he learned about Brutus's uprising, and he's on his way to the Metropolis zone at the start of the story, and he's shortcutting through the Casino Night zone where uh, he stumbles into the midst of it all. <laughs> Some very good Lou stringery dialogue at the very start here, where Tails comes swooping down to clonk the head off this Trooper Badnik, and one a little badger is going, Ah, we're saved! And a rabbit goes, I'd much prefer to be saved by Sonic, but I guess he'll do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. Like, oh, yes, yes, Loostringer oh, strips give Tails respect. But not too much respect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting that this strip seems to be here to place Tails in this zone more than it is to do anything else. Is that Going to be important coming up? I don't know. I mean, I I feel like it may just be
0: that Stringer wants to keep Tails out of his revolution story mm. over in Sonic's world Yeah, because he stays at the end of the issue and I'd assume he'll be there next issue uh, yeah. if, you know, if this run of strips is anything to go by from last issue leading into this one. And I think it's just a device to uh, keep Tails out of the revolution story and he'll probably not be staying there any longer than that. But yeah. we'll see, I guess. Hey, do you remember how Fleabite used to be four things? And now he's five things. It's like this what, trigger just keeps putting. Thing? Well, he used to be a cat and a cyborg, yeah. a cowboy mm. and a bounty hunter. Yes, and not... okay, I guess you could call it maybe four A and not an entire uh-huh. fifth thing. Because it didn't come up and the art didn't communicate it at all in the previous story he was part of, he's also flea infested. Oh, yeah. We didn't have that before, but now he's constantly surrounded by a a little cloud of buzzing insects because he's a mangy moggy.
2: Yeah, I suppose it makes sense with a name like Fleabite. He's a proper Renaissance cat. He's really everything you could hope for. It's tremendous. He is
0: rubbish, and I love him. He's, and he's just in the casino night zone because he's just here to gamble, you know? And yeah. he spots Tails, and he comes out with that nice, phonetic cowboy line that he delivered
1: the last time. I'm going to net me a big reward, Yeah, <laughs> Yes, he's not come here to do any kind of villainous scheme. He's here to gamble, like everyone else is. But it's just, oh, well, there's Tails, I'll do this. I'll have him. But
0: Brutus's troopers are running around apprehending all non-robot life. So we get them surround Tails and, and flee about All non-robot life forms are to be captured for execution. Who? Oh, you can't include me. I got a robotic arm. That's got to make me an exception, right? Hard cut. Him clinging onto the bars <laughs> of a cell door. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs>
2: Great comedy. I do love the perfect stink eye that Tails is throwing him from the back of the panel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's nice to see Tails get grumpy as well. Mm. That is
1: a key component of Little Brothers that is unexplored in Tails a lot of the time. So yeah. You can only
0: start making Tails grumpy once you get him out from under that constantly afeard of everything around him persona mm. that he's had going on right up until now. I don't know how you could have ever had Tails be grumpy in any of his own previous stories.
2: <laughs> until right now might have improved them <laughs> well you see him also just becoming incredibly competent yeah at a lot of what he does it's nice to see him kind of just out on his own you get the impression why he would actually be a valued member of the freedom fighters yes. even if he's not quite as cool as sonic as the you know ungrateful badger and rabbit point out yeah he's the one who suggests they work together and
0: what is it he says does your robotic arm do anything useful like fire a laser beam or anything oh uh. Nope, I just uses the metal claws to pick locks sometimes. Um, maybe now would be a good time? Oh, sure thing! (laughs) And he he unlocks the... they're, They're like a potty wagon. And he unlocks the door that way. And then I love this bit. It's a bit 90s, but I do love it. A bad nigga trooper's opening fire on Tails, and Tails is weaving in and amongst the blasts. And he's, Creeps like you always fight with guns, but Sonic taught me how cool dudes don't need weapons to win a fight. And he zips in underneath and gives him a good kick, and he explodes.
2: Yeah. Hell yeah, Tails! The general comics weapons hierarchy where guns and laser blasts, bad. Bad. Crossbows, totally cool. Yeah. She makes them herself sorry.
0: <laughs> Speak for yourself Fox I sure wish I had My goons Yeah well that figures You're obviously not In the cool dude league <laughs> <laughs> Then they just have Some jips they, they push over Some Well they push over Some syrup And the uh, the badniks Go I figured that, I figured the badniks Would get stuck In the syrup
1: but i actually kind of actually... couldn't tell if they were sliding or getting stuck at first because of the one who's like leaning down he looked like he might be trying to pull his foot out mm. but no i think he's in a slidey pose yeah and they slide into some of the casino night pinball stuff i really and... this tilt crash panel i think is brilliantly wrong. yeah i really really like there's a lot of the art <laughs> in this one that i really like well whenever you're doing any uh, villain is defeated in a pinball style you gotta have a big flashing tilt it's Gotta say tilt tilt, tilt. tilt. What does tilt mean? I've never known. I know it from Pinball Fantasies on the Amiga, but I don't know what it is. I was, if you try to, like, tilt the table, right.
0: there's a sensor in the table that will go, yeah. Hey, cut that the f*** out! And it'll stop right, working right. because you're, hey,
1: you're trying to cheat, stop it. That is what I thought it must be, but I only presumed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love this little carnival barker guy who shakes Tails'
1: hand on the last page. I love that guy! I love the little pigtailed, little Amy Rosey-looking <laughs> yeah. thing. Great! I'm these little background. Look at that! Look at the look at the guy with the sunglasses and the yeah. black teeth behind him and everything. Great extras. I love the Carnival them. Barker specifically
3: because
0: he he's obviously uh, whereas everyone else we've seen is like uh, patrons. This guy yeah. is a proprietor. This guy's the guy who stands outside the casino. Try your luck, sir! You know,
2: that kind of guy who calls them in. Yeah, here's a guy who's (laughs) finding a career that works in an oppressive government as well. He's not running for his life. He's earning money. I get a load of Big Bird just
0: above (laughs) and to the right of him there. Yes. It's an ostrich or (laughs) something. An ostrich ostrich Mobian with a huge big neck. And all you can see is just the neck rising up out of the crowd and the head on top of it. It's a
1: surprisingly varied crowd, actually. Mm. brilliantly done. Lots of thought put into it, and while we're talking about that, just the opening shot of the casino night zone drawn brilliantly again with something that we do in STC, which is to turn lots of it into roller coasters so that that explains the walls with the yeah. bumpers and so on. They can be the walls of a roller coaster. Looks just really, really well. Actually, that's not a roller coaster, is it? What is that? It's something, well, I like it's a roller coaster. A, yeah, you're right, you're right. It, well, it's just that what is that? Look at that, it's like a stick of rock with a plunger on the front. What are you looking at? Panel one. The thing going up. Oh, oh, oh. Well, it's
0: like a pin, it's like a roller coaster where the car is launched by a pinball. Oh, that's launch the mechanism. launcher. Oh. That's the launcher. And then you can see the cars rocketing up over the crest. it's uh, They've come okay. off the tracks. They're going so fast. And that's drawn brilliantly. It's Oh, it's good. I didn't actually notice that pinball launcher before. That's really good, actually. That's what I was looking at. I was like, what the hell's
1: that? But yeah, of course, it's the pinball launcher, as depicted even in the Casino Night Zone. You get launched by them yourself in that.
0: Great! That little Robotnik balloon in the panel down there, in the bottom left panel.
1: Oh, wow! Yes! On the balloon stall, there's a robotic one!
0: Oh, and that has really... Oh, that was the gasp of a man who wants that balloon in real life. That
1: is the gasp of a man who just got flashbacks to balloons. Do you know what I mean? That's... So well that's so well drawn i just got a well I, I know exactly what it was a mickey mouse head balloon drifting out of my hand at drayton manor and away into the sky a wonderful um. day wonderful balloon wonderful feeling i didn't mind that it was gone because look at it go
0: <laughs> oh
1: no i hate it whenever i popped
0: a balloon or lost a balloon or anything i loved balloons popping is
1: different Popping's different you don't get
2: to watch it drift off into the sky like an amazing thing <laughs> I think as a kid. It's a fun little story. I like it. And I think as a kid I could maybe be a little snobby around anything that wasn't say Richard Elson or Nigel No, Yeah, we've we've talked about that
0: phenomenon many times, yeah. But coming back to it now, Corona's
2: doing some really lovely work here. Like it's it's really, really nice.
0: I find Gina Hart's colouring really brings Corona's stuff to life in a way that that Mm. even his own colouring sometimes and other colourists
1: haven't in the past. Yeah. I agree with that. Official. Yeah. This is really good.
0: Yeah, and as you say, our story ends with Tails thinking to himself, ah, "I'm sure Sonic can cope without me for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> if only he knew," says no. the little caption. Sonic needs all the help he can get at the moment. See Sonic's world, this issue.
1: You see, I until that I'd read it as like, yeah, no, he's he's currently super Sonic and running rampant. See, that is a the
0: one problem I have with this whole issue. Uh-huh. As we said, the last issue, we'll get to Revolution in a minute. But Revolution should have been the Sonic strip. The fact that Stringer coordinates the Tail strip with it, and then we've got Running Wild over here completely undercutting this whole attempt at continuity by having Tails being there with the Freedom Fighters for the first time in forever, actually being with the Freedom Fighters in the Sonic strip. Whenever Stringer has been building to this Brutus conclusion for so long, and then it's shuttled into Sonic's world, it really deserved to be the lead strip in the comic for its run, and then they should have done Running Wild after that. Yeah
1: so and in this, it's just letters. There are. Hey, listen to this, everybody. C C C C A A B C. Do you like that content? <laughs> That's just one of the combinations of letters on this page.
0: Well, if you like that, how about Power, Water, Gun, coast suit Yeah, that's yeah. a good one.
1: That's a particularly good one. Yeah, They're just
0: passwords for Earthworm Jim 2 on the Mega Drive and Earthworm Jim on the Mega CD, which I believe is where all these screenshots are from because these aren't from Earthworm Jim 2 that I recognise because I had Earthworm Jim 2 and I don't recognise mm. any of them.
2: How would they have got... Uh, really stupid question. Did, did these cogs get shipped to the studio... From... We don't know. We We've do been know where trying
0: to figure this out for years now.
1: There's been some where they subtly credit a boomer at the start of the thing, but don't say why. And we're like, a-, a kid's writing in these and giving them to SCC and they're printing them. Like, where does it come from? We don't know. I mean, it's a hell of a way to fill two pages. Mm. I mean, it's a perfectly valid way of filling two pages. I, yeah. I I
0: enjoyed a good... yeah. Well, when you had the game, you loved a good Q-Zone. And when you didn't,
4: mm-hmm.
0: well, you know... <laughs> Unfortunately, on this podcast, it's more of the, well, you know,
2: (laughs) than it is the other thing. I mean, particularly at this point in history, 96, I mean, I didn't taste the internet until 97, I want to say. I think that's when I first ever went online, so... There's this one little window in history where you probably could fill two pages with just codes, and they would be immensely useful. Oh, there
0: were a whole books and magazines used to be dedicated to cheat codes back then.
2: Remember?
1: Yeah. Do you remember when game magazines would come with like a little paperback book on the? Yeah. Front of just
2: oh cheats? Oh, God, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Grey paper. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> wow. But it do
0: not make for content. And when the Q Zone starves us for content, that's when we like to turn
1: to Diary Zones. <laughs>
4: I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of
1: That's diary. right, this is the section where I crack open my old diary from when I was this age and we find out what was going on in real life during the two weeks that this issue was on the shelf. And we start on Saturday the 8th of June, 1996, at 10.48pm. Went to the woods. And sang our Grease remix again. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was going to say, didn't you do that last time? But no, no, no it's again. <laughs> We've made up a remix of a tune from Greece, a film that I remain fairly unfamiliar with, but which a couple of my friends were into at the time. Uh, I'm on bass and backup drums. Alex, What? Alex is on Who Put the Bop. <laughs> uh, what? Sam's on lead drums and guitar solos, <laughs> and Emma's on anything she wants. I was in charge of mu. Uh, oh, this is different. This is a separate thing. I was in charge of music and announcements at the primary school summer fete today. Brill job! Mm, it was. I was on the mic. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I think you were typecast. <laughs> Sunday nine six ninety six brackets. Hardy har! The numbers are similar. Can't wait till Diary ninety six Book two. It'll start at the summer holidays, and all high school angst will be gone, and I'll have no other worries. (laughs) So, (laughs) a bright future ahead there for Dave.
0: Setting yourself up for a fall there, Dave.
1: (laughs) But what this highlights to us is that this is the context of where we are. We're in the last few weeks of school before we move up to big school. Like, things are going to change soon in our
0: lives. I'm amazed at uh, 13 you had context for your own angst. Oh no, you're fourteen now, aren't you?
2: Yeah. Or is that just something that you'd read that teenagers? Exactly. Have? You
1: never
0: know, do you? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I was ten at the point this, this mm. issue came out. Better age for it. And I vividly remember we had a task in school, which was to make a little poster all about you. Like all oh, yeah. that everything you brought to the table. Yeah, yeah. And to help us, they gave you a little segments. So and one segment was meant to be things I'm worried about. Ooh. And as a ten year old, I honestly had to say and I drew a little picture of myself. Global warming. Nothing.
1: <laughs> oh, great. Oh, Perfect. brilliant. Top mark.
2: Which, looking back, may have honestly been the last time in my life when I wasn't worried about something.
1: Yeah, nothing. Because the following year, you, you move in school, aren't you, really? Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. this was going into my final year of primary school. And uh, mm. i and I got to say, this might surprise you, but being a young up-and-comer who draws and writes a Sonic the Comic rip-off did not go down quite as well as secondary at secondary school yeah, yeah. Yeah, as I would have oh. imagined. <laughs> no yeah Mm.
1: um monday the 10th of june 96 this week we're going to the school that my next diary will be set in we're off to have a look around at the big school i'm growing up i remember doing that yeah i'm about to grow up i'm about to visit big school the one i'll be at until i'm 18 among the grown-ups studying preparing for university or working life Next entry, Tuesday, 11th. I am now fully addicted to the Smurfs cartoon. It's thrill. It's ace. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fundamentally a ridiculous person (laughs) monday the 17th yesterday mum gave me a great new book and i've started like a a blank pages book and i've started drawing all the characters i invented at this school in it and i never quite realized how cool they all are i am redrawing the zib and sticky comic at the moment well i am in 2022 currently redrawing the zib and sticky comic as well (laughs) and then activities week me and all my key friends That's not what I've said there. This is to disguise the names. I was going to say, I could believe that you would have written it, but... (laughs) Have all got models and games. In other words, we spend all day in one room, unsupervised, except for occasional look-ins from Sir. I play on Stu's Game Gear. He plays on my Game Boy. Everybody else plays Warhammer. Everyone is happy. Sir does not mind, and food and drink can be consumed in class. God damn! It was flipping amazing. This it is was the last week, week of the year, right? I actually I think it was the second to last week oh. of the year. And yes, it's one of these it's like an elective week and you pick a thing to uh, do all week. I mean, I remember when we did that for a day at
0: the very end of term, a whole week
1: we had a whole week when we were born i know there was one the, the first year i remember going on one where you just like visit local things and so it was like you know we went to the safari park one day we went to the aerospace museum another day not as good things like that and i read the red dwarf novel on the bus and that was the highlight of the week uh, but this one oh my god a whole week in which i discovered girls our end theme, the music from Sonic on the Game Gear, which uh, my friend Stuart dutifully played all the way through so that I could record all the music from it on my little tape recorder, and that was where I learned the wonderful soundtrack to the Game Gear version of Sonic. Oh, wow. And the end theme of that is our end theme.
0: Legendary.
2: Weirdly enough, I think in a similar week of my life, well, it was not it was like a day, more like Chris, we only got one day to celebrate, yeah. but like, I think it was the end of term when somebody bought a Game Gear in, which I think oh. today is still the only time I've seen one. In person. <laughs>
0: do you know that one day of those that I very do well remember, and I remember it as an infamous moment that was truly my own fault and deserved okay. to happen to me? Okay. Was do you remember the game? I don't think they call it frustration anymore, but it used to be called frustration. Yes,
2: yeah, and the little um, dice
0: uh, in the middle. Yes, it had the dice in the middle, and it was a little. Po- they called it the popomatic uh, oh, thing. You yes. pop down the dome, and the dice was enclosed in the dome, and it rolled. Love the Love that for you. thing. And otherwise, it was basically Ludo. It's Ludo, isn't, Ludo. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Get your, get your pegs to go all the way around the board. And it was one of those games where you had to roll a six to start. The uh, most bullshit rule yeah. in board games, you yeah. know? And I could not get a six. <laughs> well, everyone else was on the board. We'd been playing for mm. what felt like ages before. It was probably five minutes because I was mm. ten. And on the umpteenth go-round of me, and it was not a six, I lost the heed and I just rattled it you know really hit the dome multiple times you know fully illegally but it came up six and i was like (laughs) good right there on the board and one of the other players quite rightly (laughs) <laughs> Took tremendous umbrage at this, and they to, they they oh they raged and moaned, and everyone else was like, it, it, "I happened to have brought the frustration, and it was my
3: frustration."
0: <laughs> that makes it worse. Every, well, everyone else was like, "Listen, it's been ages; he hasn't been on the board yeah. at all, and he brought the game, so just let it be, just so we yeah. can have the game." Yeah. And whoever this other lad was, it was like, Hoop! "No, <gasps> flip the board!" Oh, I went home with not all the pegs. They were never oh no. seen again.
1: Oh, my word.
3: Yeah,
0: but you can't blame him in hindsight, can
1: <laughs> Not you? Not really. The pair no. of you were acting up. Yeah, that is a stupid rule, though. That's why That's why it's called frustration instead of Luda. I was frustrated. Yeah. And so was he. Your job done. So, you know, it lived up to the box promise. Total it? success. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, oh, I ought to mention, for continuity's sake, that this was the week where, because of Stuart's Game Gear, I played... Pop-Hills, one of my favourite games ever, had the most wonderful week playing pop and ultimately bought the Game Gear and pop off him and still have it. The end. Thursday, the 20th, 10.27pm. Well, Activities Week is almost over now and my last week here at <laughs> high school is nigh. The whole of my diaries so far were set at that school, so the next diary will be like an entirely new format, as it were, with coverage of the <laughs> coverage of the summer holiday, complete with mixed emotions towards the end and the first days. Of <laughs> soon, this diary will be done with.
3: It will be quite operational by the time your rebels arrive.
2: <laughs> you had a certain poetic flair, Dave. Even then. I was aware
1: of the sifting of the sand and the fact that I was going to be a child for a
2: limited amount of time. I was quite good at being aware of that. I think. Oh, guys, guys, I'm I'm really sorry. I, I think I think I can hear the sound of, of a podcast that needs somebody with like vaguely artistic, highbrow but ill-informed opinions. So I think I have to run. Oh, but if you ever need me, just shine like a, a beret in the sky or something, <laughs> and I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> well <laughs>
1: Bye. Bye. Bye then. Sonic's World.
0: Revolution, part two, written by Lou Stringer, art by Nigel Kitchen, colours by John M. Burns, and letters by... Here's how it happened, Dave. Hmm? These letters are by Ella <laughs> Fell, but they've been miscredited as Tom Frame. Oh, dear. Oh yeah, I have to read the summary now, don't I? Yes. <laughs> As Brutus storms Citadel Robotnik, Robotnik attempts to activate a self-destruct device planted in the Rebellious Commander, only to discover that Brutus removed it weeks ago. The helpless Robotnik is moments from being executed when Sonic arrives, now joined by Short Shortfuse the Cybernik. While Robotnik escapes in the chaos, Sonic demands that Brutus show him the captured Johnny and Amy. And is horrified to see that his pals have been turned into bad mix. Yes, oh yes, oh yes,
1: oh yes. <laughs> yeah, we got. Why is this not the lead strip, Dave? What? What? That you're confusing me there. Because the answer is it's because the lead strip is running wild. One of the best ones I ever did. Why did they about? not
0: wait to do Running Wild after this to give it now the space the and attention it deserved?
1: that is that's the question the answer that i'll give is that what we get now is that the back of the comic matters like the front of the comic does and that's good right do you know what I mean we've got an even spread of mattering stuff instead of one strip we care about and a load of gubbins on paper
0: what you're saying is completely accurate oh, yeah but it's the last strip in the comic and in your heart of hearts <laughs> you know that that doesn't yeah. carry the
1: cachet of the first strip and especially because it's Sonic's world, which has been so many different things, and yes. several of them not have even been...
0: a double Sonic or an extra Sonic yeah. story. It's specifically the not Sonic Sonic strip.
1: Yeah. There have been Sonic's worlds that have been great, but there have been Sonic's worlds that have been the most throwaway, pap. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cam and Burt was a Sonic's world, right? Yep, wasn't So, what we could do, and we'll see if this turns out to be a thing. But we could see this as the reinvention of the back of the comic. From now on, it matters. Sonic's world is important and good. We should be excited about it. We should ask ourselves, what's going to be the Sonic and what's going to be the Sonic's world this issue? Or it could be a flash in the pan and actually it's just this.
0: I feel like it might be that... First one thinking about the direction the comic takes with the special zone and everything, and how the Sonic Strip is about Sonic, and then the Sonic's World Strip kind of becomes the Freedom Fighter Strip, mm. you know? Yeah. But even then, that's still it's it's the not Sonic Sonic
1: Strip then, isn't it? Even in that. Yeah, it, well, it, I mean, it takes a reinvention. I, I I feel as if at this stage they should have stepped back and looked at it and gone, we have beefed up the Sonic's World Strip so much, but its character is still Cannon But they should have just come up with a new name for it, not Sonic's World. Yeah. And they should have really trailed it and they Should have, you know, coming soon. Tales of Mobius or something. You know what I mean? Something else. It still deserved to be the first strip in the magazine. Uh (laughs)
0: Look at this first panel for God's sake! I know panel of citadel robotnik in the background in In black
1: not quite silhouette silhouette but with lights and details on it so it just looks black with the teeth glowing gold and
0: explosions going off in the air all around it as Brutus's badniks collide with classic brand badniks and Brutus going like
3: let the revolution begin destroy them all
0: and then we find out that he just left Sonic Lion after he shot him last issue. Mm. Oh, I forgot he shot him last issue. Why didn't you capture him? Or just kill him. <laughs> or that. Or I mean I know why you didn't kill him. We know because why practically Sonic Yeah, but... but yeah. But apparently he also captured Johnny and Amy. Like he took the time to run we didn't see them be captured last issue. The last panel of last issue got zapped.
1: It does beg the question right pedants it begs the question doesn't it pedants it begs the question does it why he left sonic the pedants hate that because that's not what begs the question means in debating circles in greece <laughs> um why did he leave sonic lying there the story fails to explain that that is a that is an issue mm, mm. oh well but then short fuse turns up and i forget oh and about his <laughs> short fuse i wasn't expecting that was i
0: of Should course I? but that of course you're not expecting it but you really
1: should have been, yeah. shouldn't you? Shouldn't I? It's a
0: loose stringer strip. Yeah.
1: Was there anything about it in the last issue that would have been a clue other than the fact that it was a loose stringer strip? I don't remember them necessarily no. mentioning him being in it. But this is a surprise appearance of, of. Yeah, I think so. And I was so happy to see him here.
3: Don't you love how Kitchen draws him, too?
0: He's
1: got a great big head. Hasn't he got
0: a great big head? Look at this tiny little body and his great big head! Oh, I love it!
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's lovely. He
0: looks like a Sonic
1: character. He does. No, he does. He, he looks He looks more like the version of Short Fuse that would be in the games that they've been drawing a mm. bit wrong up till now. <laughs> like, you know, when like like in fact, there's a lot of games like this. You know when you would see, you know, when you got to see what Mega Man looked like not in the box art. You're like, "Oh." <laughs> yeah. It's that sort of thing. It's like, here's the little Short Fuse that you would actually see in the game. So yeah, it's a son. It's another Sonic. Well, of course, Short Fuse is in it. I mean, it's a big,
0: dramatic, loose ringer throwdown story. So of course, Short Fuse is coming to join in. Yeah. So him and Sonic speed off towards Citadel Robotnik, and then we see Robotnik. Grimer is like,
3: "How can you be so calm, Doctor? Our Badniks are losing." Stop sniveling, Grimer. I have a way to deal with Brutus. Then the wall explodes. Uh, well, perhaps this would be a good time to use it, then, sir. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Brutus storms in. Your days as ruler of Mobius are over, Robotnik. This
1: is a takeover. Are we, are we in a scene here where we both get to be Robotnik shouting at himself? I know, it's great. Come on. You've been a naughty boy, Brutus.
0: <laughs> That's a good line. Him.
3: Yeah. When I programmed you with a copy of my brain patterns, asterisk CSTC issue 69 to 72, I half expected you to try something like this. So, naturally, I prepared for this moment. And then this brilliant panel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a
0: close-up of Robotnik's fist as he pushes the button on like a detonator, like a controller. And Brutus, in the background, cast entirely in shadow and
3: red light.
1: Not giving a shit about it. <laughs> Not
3: one. This triggers a self-destruct implant in your brain. Die, traitor! Click. Uh, uh, nothing's happening. It worked against the Brotherhood of Metallics, against the issue 72, but not against you! Ah, I found out about the implant weeks ago and deactivated it. Now, troopers, prove your loyalty to your new master.
1: Kill Robotnik! Yeah. Bloody hell, <laughs> it
0: goes hard, don't it? Yeah. And it ends on a trooper with his... But we don't even see the drill. We see the gun barrel being pressed up against Robotnik's head. <laughs>
1: yeah. And at that point, who should save his life? Sonic
0: and Short Fuse smash the windows in.
3: <laughs> Sonic saves Robotnik's life, and he says, "Oh, so. you just saved my life, Spikeball, but don't expect gratitude."
0: Yeah. Well, my timing can be bad for once, Lard Belly and everybody does shooting and bopping. Oh, and then there's this f***ing great bit with, then they get the shoot, look look at that, look at, how? <laughs> oh, the two faces of Lou Stringer, though. Brilliant, awesome action, uh-huh. pew, pew, zap, zap, uh-huh. and then Shortview shoots a badnik, and in the background it explodes going,
1: ooh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. classic British comics oof sound effect. Look at the previous one, kind of like, reaching out as his death approaches. <laughs> Coming to bits as well. But, We don't even, we haven't really said it. We don't need to say it. Great artwork in this strip. Oh,
0: yeah. catching. I love it. I love it so much. Look at Tiny Little Short Fuse as he points his tiny little finger up at Brutus and he goes, You may look tough, Brutus, but I'm warning you, my armour
3: is made of Megatile, the strongest metal on Mobius. Well, I've got news for you, (laughs) Cybernik.
0: He just slams his whole ass gun arm down on top of him, smashes him into the ground. Great panel head on so is
4: mine
1: <laughs> oh, and, uh, oh my god something about your delivery there has me imagining he's actually punching him down three times with each syllable <laughs> oh, further yeah. into the ground <laughs> <laughs> that nigel even just draws explosions that sort of just sort of like circles with little fuzzy bits around the edges but they're yeah. so
0: good oh so good look at him actually look at look at short fuse on the next page actually climbing out of the hole uh, yeah I just, I smashed him down through the ground and
3: love it
1: oh that's good well while we're talking about art actually if you just turn back a page mm. bottom left where it's grimer and robotnik Look at the sad little dead buzzer in on the screen. Oh, okay. look at him there. He's got his little oh, eyes closed. He's, he's lying oh, down oh, dead. Oh, bless. Look at that. Quite sad about that. <laughs> he looks sad. Yeah. But then really, the last beat now is we're on the last page and Brutus unveils the Johnny and Amy Badniks. Brutus whips the gun up. He's like, don't
0: move or you'll never see your friends again. And is like, all right, all right, I'm, okay, you got me. But I want to see them. I want to know they're okay. And Brutus says,
3: Brutus to ship, send down the new recruits. Don't
0: try any tricks. I want to see my friends now. Well, then look outside, Spikeball. Johnny and Amy
3: are now badniks. And they
1: are... Charmingly rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> roboty Amy and Johnny, and they've got funny faces and spikes on them, and they're they're robots. They've gone roboty. Amy seems
0: to have. I bet those. Black Widow Stingers mm. on her forearms. I bet they shoot crossbow bolts.
1: Yes, of course they do. She's a, a scary-ish robot. She's got all spikes all over her. She's got weird tusks coming out of her face. Mm. And Johnny is like a sort of 1960s robot version of Johnny. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's a very beep boot version, <laughs> isn't he? we can only see him from the waist up we don't really see what's going on below there it does look like they've been kind enough to colour coordinate him so he's wearing robot jeans
1: yes he's got a sort of see his waistband he's got the sort of C-3PO crop top look hasn't he where he's got a thinner Mm. bit in the middle I'm loving this strip so much it's great it just it
0: so deserved to take pride of place honestly Mm -hmm. as the conclusion to this trilogy with an effort at interstrip continuity with the Tales story
1: well then we know why it hasn't don't we because we're on a tight schedule we've got to get to a 100 and we've got to get there through running wild i
0: feel like the three issues that it would have that would have cost them to put this up front Mm -hmm. there's probably some you know chaff that could have been left out of the next year's worth of stuff you know next issue friend or foe loving it Mm. more of it need it love it want it got it good (laughs) All right, Ariana. Boys. Megan Medley. Well, no, let me take that one again. Um, It's... Mm, so... Mm, you can't really read it out loud. No, it doesn't. No. So it's mega medley yeah. Mega. And then in brackets afterwards, the letter N-Medley. Because this is a letter from Megan mega. Balank. You see? Mega. It's a Mega-Medley mega. from Megan. It's a, both a Mega and a Megan-Medley. Dear Megadroid, there are a few things I'd like you to clear up for me. Number one, I really enjoyed the first series of Chaotix, so could they play star in their own series? Question two, why is Charmy B larger in the comic strip than in the game? Mm-hmm. And Three, is there anything connected What a charming... I mean... This letter has come through email, <laughs> oh. so she has access to it, and the question is, is there anything? Anything at all? Is there
1: anything connected with Sonic or Sega on the internet? That's a good question, isn't it? Is there? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a Google. We'll find out. <laughs> Careful, now. No, there's not. There isn't oh. anything. Shame.
0: Mm. And that is from the Happy Surfer Megan <laughs> Balank from Rochester in Kent. Megadroid says she is no doubt an even happier surfer, now that the Chaotix crew are back with a two-part story, as he said in this issue. He blames Charmy's Size on Richard Elson, yes. and says techno-jargonically speaking, boomers who want to surf the internet for Sega Info can find it on the following website. No. HTT, colon, so <laughs> I think you f- that one up, Megadroid. Yeah, that's not going to work. Slash, slash, Dot com of america presumably presumably and that's where you can go and look up the website that will continue to tell you that the kinterborg origin is right and true yes mega crucial oh that's why it's mega n- 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 oh they all because start all the with letters mega. start with mega that's why it's so uh, torturing. so
1: yes. what's mega crucial mega crucial dear megadroid i'm writing to let you know how important i think your revamp was as you looked so plain in the past but the new U looks even cooler than Sonic. Ooh, bold claims. Yeah. And that is from Richard Olatunji from Chadwell Heath, Essex, Mega Drive owner, Sonic & Knuckles camera winner. Megadroid says, Flattery, brackets, question mark, will get you a Sonic & Knuckles camera.
2: How's that not
1: flattery, Megadroid? That's Are
0: you implying it's not flattery to say flattery. you're cooler than Sonic? There was no <laughs> higher form of flattery in 1996.
1: I suppose he's talking about the bit where he said that he was plain before. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, that's your question mark
0: there. Mega Reader, dear Megadroid, Mm. I look forward to going home with my copy of STC, but once I've read it, I get quite bored because I have to wait two weeks for the next one. Uh, That's from Thomas Rosie from Shirley and Solihill. Megadroid Megadroid says, you have my sympathies, boom.
1: Were you singing a little song? I was singing the Little Rosie song (laughs) because it's Thomas Rosie.
0: Little Rosie, the cartoon
1: where Roseanne yeah.
0: Barr's child self Yeah a... Okay It's quite the pool, Dave, it's quite <laughs> the pool he's a, he's a little Rosie He is a little Rosie, I, I don't dispute it <laughs> but just seems like a, a cartoon that would kind of sit outside
1: your wheelhouse um, Evidently not <laughs> I guess not She's a clown but she's no fool She breaks up oh.
4: into
0: anyway sorry listeners (laughs) (laughs) for this series generally megadroid says you have my sympathies boomer tom if only there were other comics worth reading between issues of stc but wait what about the knuckles knockout special currently on sale, and the sonic special on sale 6th of july
1: yeah that is a lot of stcdp Special we content. have to make yeah, a <laughs> couple
0: of pictures as well.
1: Yep, yeah, there's one which is just a drawing of Tails' Adventures Tails, but you know that's that's Tails now, really. It's the only yeah. Tails we have. You can it tell it's
0: Adventures. To be fair, it doesn't really look like Adventures Tails. It's just the googly eyes. That it's that he's you know got one
1: it's... eye bigger than the other. Yeah. yeah, it's a good drawing. This is a good yes, cartoon a good drawing, drawing of, of Tails. This issue by someone who can draw, and what they've done with Tails is they've made him an artist. So he's covered in different blobs of different coloured paint that are very nicely different coloured. Mm. In fact, very nice. So he's wearing a beret, of course, because of he's course, smart Of course, as hearty. all artists do. Yes. And that's a dark blue beret with yellow paint on. And, like, his orange head has got blue paint on. Like, these colours actually complement each other oh, quite well. Well chosen, yeah. And he's holding a palette. He's dropped his paintbrush. He had a paintbrush, but he's dropped it. And he's writing tales on the wall with his finger. And he's written all the the letters of tales are quite snazzy. Two of them have got you know like an inner letter and an outer letter. And it's all wonderfully limited palette. Mm.
0: It feels like it's either a, a purposeful choice or he only had four pencils, and neither of those <laughs> things feel like they're true. But all the paint splodges and the beret and the paintbrush are all magenta, dark blue, light blue, and yellow. Mm, yeah. And his shoes, instead of red, are magenta. And the belt straps on his shoes, instead of black, are dark blue. And the paintbrush is magenta. It's like he was working with a limited palette. Well, we say he and him, but there's actually two of them. It's from Amy and James Clark from Adelston in Surrey, who are camera sharers.
3: Boo uh.
0: hiss <laughs> It says, they didn't even send them two cameras. The stingy
1: buggers. Yeah, and calling themselves out for it, providing the boo hiss especially. <laughs> oh, dear. But that's good. That's a good draw. Oh, uh, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Cannot go without pointing out that the background is peppered with speckles, some of which are tiny little spirals.
0: They are, you know. They look stamped. They do a bit. Yeah. Um, those are
1: stamped, I think. Yes. Oh, and look, some of them are paw prints. That's a stamp. Oh, that's yeah, a stamp that's, a, that's a stamp.
0: Gotta be stamped. Oh. I wonder then if Amy or James drew this and then the other one was allowed to stamp on it Mm, and it was sent in under their names. Mm. That's very possible.
1: And finally, uh, another piece of fan art, which is 1996.jpg. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Incorrect aspect ratio. Again, they've been squashed to fit the space. stretchy, stretchy. Sonic and Tails, but they're not Sonic and Tails. They are Tailsy and Sonic Lightyear. Yeah, of course. It is Sonic as Buzz Lightyear, Tails as Woody, lovingly copied by somebody. They've got every detail of both of those costumes absolutely spot on. Yeah, that Jim's Day from Stranground? Strangeround? Ooh, I bet it's Stranground, but I want to call it the Strangeground Strangeground of Peterborough. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't step on the strange
0: ground lovely job with those and just such a wonderful time capsule do we have anything in our capsule dave yes we do
3: we've
1: got to hear from somebody called amber who says dear stctp my name is amber I wanted to send an email your way. I've been slowly making my way through the podcast over the past few months, reading STC along with each episode. We're yeah. proof. I'm almost caught up. I just finished episode 73. Oh yeah, that is almost oh, caught up. close there. I absolutely love the podcast and everything you two do with it giving context to how it was for 90s kids and sega fans in the uk back then is absolutely fascinating to me i'm an american big archie fan please don't make fun lol
0: (laughs) all right but only because you you asked nicely
1: yeah and because you've come over to read our comic as well Um, and i was born in 1995 what how are you writing a letter then (laughs) and sonic 2 was the first game i ever played i am a massive fan and still play all the games and love most anything sonic that said, I absolutely love STC, and I think it does a lot of things better than Archie, being honest. I especially yeah, love... Yeah, no, we're no, I mean, talking. Correct, you know, yeah. Join us on the dark side. Yeah, either that's correct or you're suggestible. <laughs> um because we've just said that and you seem to have taken it on board i especially love a lot of the original characters introduced in it techno short use metamorphia to name a few and how much yeah. closer it feels to the original games in some respects yeah i especially appreciate you guys going behind the scenes going over some of the original scripts and interviewing people who both worked on the comic and wrote into it the production quality to me is top notch i love the little music gags where clips are synced to the music Yes, I like those. And whenever you guys (laughs) break out voices and give sound effects to stuff that's happening in the comics, it's an absolute delight. I subscribe to the Patreon, and I'm currently listening through to the stuff on there as well. I want to try and spread the word about STC and its great story and characters. So far, I have only drawn... I'm going to have to send you a picture here, Chris. Oh. So far, I've only hey! drawn the original design for the receptionic. receptionic. Classic brand! But I'm hoping to draw more characters from it in the future. Yes, please. Love her. I was curious if you were aware that some of the STC characters had cameoed in Archie before. Yes! That's, yes, uh, yes. Jo- uh, n- Friend the of the show, Gray John Gray. Yeah. Uh, pops
0: those in. Techno and Ebony. Yeah, are in there, and no, there might be some more too. Amber
1: has actually included the pictures. It's in issue 134. Amber says with Techno Metamorphia, Porka, Lewis, Bog, Beaky, Ebony, and short views in one oh, issue. I didn't realise there were you that know, many of them many. in there. No, me neither. Thought it was a very cute edition by artist John Gray. Made me smile. As a fan of both. Uh, to Dave specifically, thanks to you talking about it so much on the podcast, I've got into <laughs> it. Went and got an amiga. <laughs> oh god i've <laughs> gone into a very deep amiga rabbit hole been playing a lot of games on it and learning the history if you have any game recommendations for it let me know i really liked cannon fodder uh yeah settlers although you may have to look up what the different houses mean but um settlers super frog that'll do you for now and uh, also listen to my amiga episode of retronauts which came out fairly recently. Also, I said on Twitter, but the Sonic Robo Blast 2 music you did is truly nostalgic to me. Thank you. Stream the old or the new version and I'll give it a watch. Yes, I think we might. I think we're sort of heading towards doing that at some point. It's really impressive what the game has become and it still has bits of music you did in it, I'm pretty sure. Well, bits of. They've, they've rewritten them all and they're better now by a long way <laughs> because they're not 15 years old. And to Chris. I recently was getting back into Transformers thanks to a friend, bought the 80s movie on 4K and got hooked back in from there as it was my first movie rental as a kid. And your series on YouTube has helped me understand a lot of it a great deal and given a lot of context, so... Great work on that as well. Thank you. We've not plugged the basics in a while, have we? Go and watch Transformers the Basics on YouTube, everybody. Yeah, uh, this month, June, this is the
0: fifth anniversary. Mm. Five blimmin' years I've been at this, so uh, at the time you're listening to this, I should have dropped my special, silly fifth anniversary episode that I'm planning
1: on doing. (laughs) Love the show so much. Please keep up the excellent work and keep doing what you guys do best. Best wishes, Princess Amber, Sega Mega Drive, slash Mega CD, slash 32X, owner thanks for that amber here's one from leah fee who says "Hiya, i just wanted to briefly share my appreciation of your approach when the comic shows the uglier side of its era in the language and attitudes it is neither trivialized nor made a huge scene over a composed and now the fan art page has done a racism or a and then there's a fight because a character says a slur (laughs) there's a refreshing bluntness and lack of wriggling or excusing it without indulging in an excess of retroactive self-flagellation so thanks for that choice. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. I, don't, I think we will respond to that letter with a similar degree of <laughs> of not going into it too deeply. Yeah. Secondly, and far more trivially, I have to fly to the defense of Shining Force. Fair enough. That's good. I'd like to hear from somebody who wants to talk about Shining Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as a game, little me adored it. My whole family adored it. And I've spent the last 20 years looking for any game that plays just like it. Yeah. Now, the reason it's not to everyone's taste... Do you me- now, Leah? Do you mean Shining Force Two specifically, or Shining Force One, or the whole series? I'd be interested to know about that. But the reason it's not to everyone's taste, I suppose, is because it's really just a tabletop RPG turned electronic. Oh, yeah. that's a point. Yeah, you're all mm. but shoving your little miniatures across the screen. Yeah, yeah, you're moving in spaces, and then you go up, and it's like, okay, what do you want to do? And the menu comes up, and you select. I want to go and you're have right. a pizza. Leave me though. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go home. I want to not be here. (laughs) (laughs) The rare is the game of D&D that doesn't have pizza on the table. The pizza is consumed that, the game. But yes, you're all but shoving your little miniatures across the screen and waiting for dice rolls in the battle scenes. And some of them are too long or badly balanced, thus that you have to grind through them repeatedly to get leveled up to where they're achievable. But... The exploring and the villages and the story and all the extra characters that you pick up along the way had the whole family watching, whoever was playing, and offering advice and directions, exclaiming together when a place or plot thread y- is mentioned and you found a clue where to go next. It was the only game my mum would join in with, the only one you didn't have to fight for a slot with the TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That sounds absolutely tremendous, I must
0: It does. Say. Um, and, and even the aspects of the game that you're describing. Never yeah. you mind that wonderful family community watching game mm-hmm. as television mm-hmm. idea but you know all that stuff about discovering the plot meeting characters finding clues i'm all about that i love yeah. that in a game when you it's when you with the table top moving around turn based now that's mm-hmm. that. That is that is sadly the only bit where I fall down on these things, and I'm sure I've said it on the show before, but I sometimes do feel maudlin when I reflect upon how I missed out on mm. some very big video game storytelling emotional experiences that people of my generation have as the sort of shared cultural language, things like Final Fantasy VII, mm. because I can't yeah. hack that shit. <laughs> and so I didn't get exposed to these stories
1: yeah. between battles the plot unfolds in little cutscenes and through conversations with the villagers as you poodle around exploring about half of them talk trivial nonsense or in comedic aside, and your searches of their villages and houses are full of silly easter eggs from the titles of books a Sega manual in one case or jokey signposts or random side characters turning up again later it's fun and cute and silly and a little bit self-referential and I've no idea if the fun was added by the localization team or if it was there in the original Japanese mm. all that said I still Ignored the strip in STC because the nature of the game, being much more of an electronic version of Dice and Pencils RPG, meant I already had formed my own ideas about the characters. You get to mm. name the lead character in the game, and that's you for the purposes of narration and even dialogue choices sometimes. So the strip just didn't capture the way little me imagined and was playing as the character. Yeah, older me appreciates it a lot more. The Ancient but weirdly modern tech was a feature in the game, but not with the lethality of this nuke thread they've got going on. Well, thanks for the entertainment. Leah Fee, Retro Pie hanging out of the TV emulating a Mega Drive owner. Wales. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that, Leah. Thanks very much, Leah. Yeah, we I think
0: we said that at some point, but that's kind of like the whole problem with turning a, a JRPG type of game into a strip, in that those it's not like Sonic or Golden Axe or Streets of Rage where the story is peripheral at best, and it's really just about bouncing your sprite around and hitting the enemies. Like Those things have capital S stories with real characters and stuff, and turning them into a comic is either do it right or you do it wrong. And Shining Force did it wrong, but what can you do, you know? Because nobody on Earth would have expected Nigel Kitching to sit and play through all 40 or 60 hours or however long Shining Force is, and adapt it down into 30 pages. Yeah.
1: It's a silly thing to ask anybody to do. Yeah. Every stage of that is a silly... You shouldn't ask anybody to play a game that long for work. Even people who reviewed it at the time. I'm sure they only played it for like a couple oh, hours. no.
0: Nobody will have finished that back then.
1: No. But they didn't have the internet to have people angrily complain about it. So it was mm. all good. The thing is, even with the Sonic game, like, if... And I'm sure this wouldn't have been the case because they weren't difficult, but if Nigel Kitching had been struggling with Sonic 3 and Knuckles, he had plenty of time to get through it and just adapt the first couple of levels and just kind of carry on from there, you know? And then later on, if it turns out there's story to tell, which it did, then they can tell it... Actually, that kind of is the pace at which they did it, so I wonder if that's what happened. (laughs) Yeah, well,
3: you never know, did you?
1: So... That was our mailbag. Thank you for writing into it. If you would like to appear in this section then you should write to STCT a podcast at gmail.com stctpodcast at gmail.com remember it's not stctp podcast i don't know if any of your mails have been getting lost because of that stct podcast why did i choose that can't remember but i do remember there was a very good reason
0: well that's the end of another issue next issue i got very excited for a moment honestly because i thought it was a free gift issue but it's Uh. not it's a compo issue Uh. because the next issue the image on the next issue page is of a sonic 2 jacket patch Mm. Next issue, win. Jacket patch combo. Lovely patch. You'd have that on a jacket.
1: Oh, God, yeah.
0: I mean... It does sound like maybe they found it on the back of the sofa. It's a Sonic 2 It's a Sonic 2 in 1996. patch. 1996.
1: Yes, and I believe it is from those days. Well, of course it is, mm. otherwise why would they have made it? It's the, uh, we've all seen this design. It's the one that Sonic doing his two fingers in a ring of the sort he pops through in the Sonic title screens. You know, yellow, red stars, blue outline. And then the Sonic 2 logo under that. I think I've got a badge of it that came out of the crackers. Lovely looking patch. I'd have it now, definitely you scratching it's
0: an actual photo of the patch too because you can tell because there's a bit of dirt on it that i've just been scratching my page trying to see if it's really on the uh, photo or on the comic in front of me (laughs) also
1: supersonic
0: further fury
1: further what further what it's like they're still calling it the fury isn't it yes further running wild Mm. Sonic's World Revolution
0: Part 3. Complete Story, Tales, Shock Tactics, Tales sticking around for more complete stories. Chaotix, more of the four. With a little picture of Charmy instead of a little starburst or anything, just a little picture of Charmy's big old head. There he is. Plus Brian Lara 96 Cricket Review.
1: (laughs) And Movie Games Q-Zone.
0: That's a little bit more interesting, I guess. STC 81 on sale Wednesday. Twenty sixth of June, ninety six. Still one pound twenty. What, it's been one for a while now. Yeah, the yeah, next price yeah. rises went up to one twenty with the redesign. Mm. That's a good while ago now. Keep an eye out for that change. Get 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 outraged about it retroactively again. Mm. If you'd like to join in the outrage, you can find <laughs> next episode. Most places good podcasts are available, or you can download it directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com.
1: If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow the show at Sonic Podcast. But we're also on there individually as well. I am at Chris McFeeling. I am at Demon Tomato Dave. Now here's a segment we recorded earlier. What about you? What are you at? Where can people find you? And what
2: would you like them to consume that you are creating? Well, um, you can find me on Twitter at John JohnLockComics, all one word. My website is bigpunchstudios.com, where you can see everything we do. We've got our card games, we've got some podcasts you might be interested in. Not as good as this one, but, you know, a good bronze to this gold. Um, (laughs) And I think, actually, at the time this episode comes out, we are in the midst of the Kickstarter for the 10-year anniversary of my comic, After I Think. Oh, wow, 10 years of afterlife 10 years, incredibly, yeah. And I'm bringing the entire rung so far, so that's like six volumes worth of content, over 800 pages, and releasing it as two massive hardbacks. Yes! Maybe future John is very happy right now, Maybe future John is very stressed out. We do not know, but yeah, the project is currently running, and there will be links all over bigpunchstudios.com, all over my Twitter, if you want to check it out. And also, I would just say, if you want to read Afterlife Inc, you can read the entire thing for free online at afterlife-inc.com. And what good timing this episode is, then! Yes. Thank you both for having me. It's been an absolute delight. It's all right. Yeah, thanks for coming
0: on. Sorry that we couldn't have you on all the way through, <laughs> because we'll definitely be
2: drawing
1: attention to this in oh, the
2: finished edit. <laughs> oh no, you should do, yeah. Yeah, I just, I've appreciated it, I'm sorry we had so many good things to say, and I'm sorry that I have to do a runner.
1: Hey Chris, 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 Chris wait a minute, wait no, yeah, a minute wait, before wait, we wait, go. Wait, 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 wait. There was a letter I forgot to read out, from Ethan Quist, it's called, Give These Boys Your Money. I am writing in with a call to action to my fellow boomers, these boys deserve way more supporters on Patreon. I'm a listener who has never even so much as gotten within a mile of a copy of STZ, but I loved this podcast so much that I had to throw them a couple of dollars. It's worth it just for the pain and anguish that Dave puts Chris through on a monthly basis with his fanfic. I want them...
0: so bad.
1: I want them to be able to keep making this podcast on a fortnightly basis, and we, as patrons, can help. Thanks for everything you guys do, and keep being the QList boys on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> Ethanquist, Moorhead, Minnesota, Patreon supporter, owner of a Dreamcast without any games, watched the entirety of Sonic X twice. Ooh. Nobody's perfect, mm. Ethan. So close.
0: <laughs> you were doing well up until that <laughs> point. <laughs> Thank you very much for your support, Ethan.
1: Our opening theme was called Synchronize. It's by Sonic the Comic, who are a band that you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we'll see you next, next time.
0: time. Do you ever think that like religious fringe groups got really upset about this level of smarties? Claiming smarties were the only, only ones that had the answer. the answer? I think you'll find the Lord is the <laughs> only source of the answer I need.